Woke up quick at about noon. Just thought I had to kill Carol Baskin soon. Kill that bitch before my day begins. I guess I better call one of my tweaker friends. Cruising down the street in my six balls. Because Carol Baskin is a fucking whore. Considering life for killing that bitch. Don't quote me, boy, because I ain't said shit. Went to a tweaker to get the scoop. He never killed that bitch, so I called the truth. The tweaker motherfucker was a friend of mine. Till he stiffed my ass off and now I'm doing time. You don't fuck with me cause I deal in death. That's right, motherfuckers, I got tires and meth. Been in Oklahoma prison, but I'm getting mine. Let me pull out my dicks, you can chop a line. Cause the boys with the meth and tigers are hard. Don't kill Carol Baskin, I'll pull your car. Nothing in life but to kill that bitch. You can quote me, boy, cause I'm dumb as shit. Joe Exotic 2024 President, motherfucker. Remix, motherfucker. Oh. Music and murder contains violence, oh. profanity, oh. and graphic material that may not be suitable for children oh. or people with weak stomachs. Oh. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. very sorry my deepest most sincere apologies it'll never happen again and all that cliche bullshit but seriously i thought that i'd have this episode out on may 18th and i'm significantly tardy so many things have happened since i last spoke to you through these speakers of yours and i would tell you what they are but i know i know i just know that you don't give a fuck so i'll just say this i graduated i now officially officially have a master's degree from Fresno State. So my opinions have got a little more credible. But you know, I'm just really in the school and that's just the way things are because I love school. If it's out there, I want to learn about it. And I know how to kill people and get away with it a million times over. So let's not fuck with me too bad. And enough about me. Let's talk about music and murder, because you can't have your music without your murder, and you can't have your murder without your music. So let's talk about incest, rape, 
torture, abuse of all kinds, bestiality, psychosis, prostitution, and suicide, all in one fucking episode. You're welcome. It is a pleasure to be here with you on my first episode out of school. I have some great things planned for this show this year. However, we will have to discuss that later because this case is literally going to fuck you up, and it is a very long one. Seriously, if you have a problem with any of the things that I mentioned earlier, turn this off and listen to a watered-down BS corporate true crime show, because we are going to get ready to talk about some shit that you're never going to forget, which is why you love me. Which is why you love me. Which is why you love me. It was a cold night for September, September 29th to be exact. The year was 1941 in Hertfordshire, England. A man that should have been aborted or hung by his own umbilical cord ended up living and surviving his birth. His name was Fred West who, like Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, was a little rotten waste of space. But unlike Fred Durst, Fred West did not get the fuck Britney Spears or really any woman that gave him consent. Eh, maybe there was one later that we'll get to, but for the most part, no, he just raped women. He kind of looks like a little demonic troll, to be honest. Check out the Music and Murder IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast if you don't believe me. And while you're there, please like the show and subscribe. You can even message me and talk a grip of shit or send me links to your songs. But just please subscribe and follow the show. It really, really means a lot. Now, Fred West, who I will now save the poor, poor mistreated syllables and simply call him Fred. Fred was the second child out of seven. Fred had three female siblings and three male siblings. We don't know their genders because back then there was just men with dicks and women with vaginas. So it was a little bit less complicated. Fred was very close to his mother. You see, Fred was a total, total mama's boy. And when I say mama's boy, I mean like, should I fuck you harder, mommy? Type shit. Get what I'm saying? Fred's mother was named Daisy. From the age of 12, Fred not only fucked his mother Daisy regularly... But Fred, with the orders of his amazing alcoholic and abusive father, also fucked goats, sheep, pigs, and of course, his little sisters. In fact, he actually impregnated one of his little sisters. She claimed that Fred had routinely raped her many, many times big surprise, especially with the way I opened this segment, right? She actually turned him into the English authorities, 
And they did arrest Fred, who was 19 at the time. His incestuously pregnant sister was only 14 years old at the time of this pregnancy. So we don't know how long that this had been going on, but we know that she was pregnant by her older brother Fred at 14. Now Fred likely began molesting her when she was around 5 from what I've like read and started penetrating her probably when she was around 9 or 10. So this did go on for quite some time. But now we're getting just a little bit ahead of ourselves. So let me back up a little bit. My estimated calculations stem from my graduate my graduate thesis which focuses on sexual offenders mostly the chomos for those of you that aren't a music and murder fan a chomo is a child molester here in the beautiful state of california we lock them all up in Kalinga so they can be safe and tell each other stories of all the stuff that they did the helpless kids because that is our society these days especially in california We keep chomos safe, let burglars chase you out of your house, and arrest you when you shoot them. Which is why any, any good police officer will tell you to make sure that you kill them when you shoot them. Stop their fucking hearts. I'm not advocating murder. I'm saying retreating from your own property and letting some crackhead into your house to take all your shit and scare and hurt your family or your cats is something I would never fucking do, and I don't think you should either. Creep into my house at night, or even in the daytime, and you're not going to walk out. And that's the way it should be for everybody. We should be able to protect our houses. Fuck you, California. That's what the fucking Second Amendment is about. Maybe we don't need fully automatic guns, but I'll tell you what, if the crackhead breaking into your house or my house has one, I want to have one as well. I want to have one more that is, how would you say it, automatic gear. Yeah, if if they have an automatic weapon, I want one that's automatic gear. I just made that up. Yeah, maybe it'll stick, who knows. You have a right as a human being to protect your loved ones and your property. I know this is starting to sound like a commercial. So back to the rant on the entire legal system. Especially with the chomos, I do believe that we have a few things mixed up. But hey, that's just me and everyone else with a fucking brain cell left in their head. I know, dumb motherfuckers won't agree because dumb motherfuckers think that smart motherfuckers are crazy. So going back to Fred's young years, younger years, let's say... While he was doing his whole family and all the farm animals, he actually landed a job as a farm laborer, likely because he had his pick of the hottest animals on the farm to fuck. He'd be like, hey, that sheep over there is looking pretty fucking good today. Who knows, he probably put lipstick on it. I've heard of that shit. It does exist, it's a thing. He saved his money and he bought himself a nice little birthday gift for his 17th birthday. He got himself a motorcycle. And on that motorcycle, he had a horrible wreck, which left him with a fractured skull. 
And according to Fred, and only Fred, he died on the hospital table. But unfortunately for everybody else, they brought him back from hell way too early. He had a broken arm and a plate, a steel plate put in his skull, which is a pretty big deal. He also began working with a limp, uh, excuse me, walking with a limp, which many of his peers made fun of. In today's world, he inevitably would have been super offended. Now, when this occurred, his younger brother, John, actually took care of these bullies for Fred because John was mean and really loved Fred. And sometimes you have to not be a whining-ass little cunt and actually fight people when they fuck with you, you know? When people fuck with you, sometimes you have to beat their ass instead of whine about it. Because we're humans, and one thing we do better than any other species is destroy each other. It's what we do best. If you don't believe me, look at the federal budget and see where most of the money goes. Think you see high numbers in helping people? No. You see high numbers in how we kill people. Now back to John, Fred's young brother. John loved Fred almost as much as his mother. Almost as his mother. But of course, Fred was fucking his mother. So that's just kind of an unfair competition, if you ask me. But John did love him. He cared a lot about him. To be honest, a lot of the things that I heard about Fred when he was a kid... He was actually a nice kid. I do believe that this heinous, heinous, horrible story has a lot to do with things that have happened to Fred as he grew up. Now, people that were close to Fred stated that this wreck, remember the motorcycle wreck that left him with a plate over his brain, they stated that before this wreck, the blue-eyed, brown, curly-haired troll was supposedly well-mannered and polite, just like I was saying. But, after the wreck, he changed. He supposedly turned into a complete asshole, basically, that was very withdrawn and lethargic, and didn't seem to be afraid of consequences, as we will soon see. Now, you know who else isn't afraid of consequences? psychopaths. But Fred has some things in his childhood that really go against him being a psychopath. For instance, one time he shot a bird and killed the bird and literally cried when he killed the bird. That is not, and I repeat, not something that you see from a psychopath. There's no empathy. They don't give a fuck about a bird. They never will give a fuck. They never have given a fuck. It's just in their nature. And I strongly believe this after reading everything that I read and stuff and watching the documentaries on this guy. And I've heard many cases about this type of behavior with head injuries. This case was way too... How would I say it? This case has way too many unhappy events for me to go over anything else. So I need to just kind of stick to the scenario. But real fast, if you get a chance, look up Phineas Jones with a PH. Phineas Jones. You will trip the fuck out, I promise. 
I'm not going to tell you, like, what happened to him. All we are is simply just neurons, synapses, nerves, neurotransmitters, and hormones. That's what makes up our personality. That's what makes up our identity. We could also reminisce on the NFL star Aaron Hernandez from the Patriots and many others as well. But I have to stop there because it just takes up too much time. Okay, breathe. Take a Xanax, repeat. In fact, it kind of sounds amazing. I'm going to go do some drugs and get lit for a sec while you check out my latest single called A Motherfucker Wood. Technically, if you look it up, it's called a MF Wood because the legislative process works against free speech. This tune will be on my new record called Play Dead that drops on July 29th. I promise it's not a boring song. So peep that shit, yo. Oh, and by the way, I'm ditching that mellow format bullshit. Send me music, all kinds of music, links, 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 on IG. Music underscore murder underscore podcast. Let's be wildfire and do whatever the fuck we want. No more suggestions or opinions sent to me, please. I won't even respond anymore. So don't send me any watered-down radio sellout bullshit. Just send real shit about real life written by real motherfuckers. Feel me? Because I really do sincerely wish that a motherfucker would. This one goes out to one motherfucker. Drinking cocaine Man, I gotta find something new To help me forget about you Cause today Didn't go so good So I hope and pray A motherfucker would Test my goal and see how far he gets And by the way Going now, probably in the lot of downtown. And I know, hell, I know that ain't good. But still, I hope and I pray a motherfucker will. A motherfucker show. Cool and see how far he gets 
Again, that was Michael D. Keeney, a.k.a. me, with my new single, A Motherfucker Would. It is actually spelled A space MF space Wood. It'll be released very soon if it's not already up when this episode drops. And I can tell you right now, it's probably not already up if you're listening to it like when it first came out. So when we left off before the song... We left off with a brown, curly-haired, incestuous boy named Fred West. And to reiterate, I am now referring to Fred West as simply Fred, as I usually do. And Fred, who was fucking his mother and likely all three of his little sisters, wrecked his motorcycle at the age of 17. When this happened, Fred had to have a steel plate placed on his skull as a result of the motorcycle wreck. His skull was actually, I guess you would say, fractured, but he literally knocked a piece of the skull out. So for those of you that don't know about like metal plates and skulls, that's what they do. They uh, pretty much cover up your hole in your skull with a piece of metal. So he had that. And again, to be a little redundant, the motorcycle wreck leaves 17-year-old Fred an instant asshole. I don't know if you remember us talking about that, but it changed his whole personality. Fred was once said to be a very nice young man. After the wreck, his, I wouldn't say his demeanor and his entire personality and what he liked and disliked changed, but everybody who knew him said that it really turned him into an instant asshole. Kind of like adding alcohol to me, and most people for that matter. 
Now this was mid 1950s, right? So this was 1958 to be exact. And Fred had the metal plate placed over the part of his skull that was bludgeoned out, as I said before. I don't think I need to tell you guys that they were not very good at this type of medical procedure back in the 1950s, right? This is pretty cutting-edge stuff for that time. If it had been 20 years earlier, they would not have tried to save him. They would have said, live and let die. They would have sang it from the top of their lungs, especially since poor Fred was a rapist. He was poor, literally. He was a motherfucker, literally, in the sense that he fucked his mother, but the doctors did their job because they took an oath and they had to. They had to save him. Which does bring up quite an interesting ethical dilemma, right? Doctors take an oath to heal, protect, and all that shit. However, what if they did actually know that this patient that they were saving was going to kill and rape many people? That patient so close to death that they could have just walked away and let him die. Or they could do their very best to save him. Hmm. Which would they choose? And which would they choose individually versus as a hospital worker? You know what I mean? Like personally, what would they choose? I know what I would choose. Yeah, I'd find something to do outside really fast, but... This real dilemma is real, and it is bureaucracy, and it is illogical, and it is bullshit land. But they had no choice other than to save Fred, and that's just how it is. We are very fucked as a society. We'll walk over people, passed out on the sidewalk, like they don't exist. But we will spend millions upon millions of dollars saving and incarcerating the worst of the worst. Ah, yeah, bureaucracy, love it. So after they save Fred, he goes on trial for impregnating his little 14-year-old sister. His family, even his beloved brother John, had to write him off this time. They, They literally had to part ways with him. They all already knew that this was going on. They knew that Fred was fucking his mom, his sisters, and everybody. And the whole house was probably a, a porn movie. But now, things changed because Fred was caught. And he was possibly going to prison, right? So now they had to turn their back on him. Kind of like Polly did to Henry Hill on Goodfellas. Rip Ray Leota, by the way. He was a badass, especially in that movie. But if you remember that movie, Polly gave him $3,000 when he was cooking in the kitchen and said, now I have to turn my back on you. And that's pretty much what Fred's family did to him. Oh, and just real fast, about two years after Fred's head injury with the steel plate that I was talking about earlier, Fred was attending a social night for teenagers at the Leadbury... It's a weird word. Leadbury Youth Club, where his lack of education past the age of 15 and his ignorance on many levels left him with the nickname Country Bumpkin. That's a really 
that's a it's, a it's a song that came out like in the 70s that really sucks it came up on my playlist because i have like 10,000 songs on my hard drive and it came up the other day and it's it's absolutely horrible maybe i'll play it for you someday just so you could sit through it and suffer but uh yeah so he was 15 and very ignorant and he had the he had the nickname country bumpkin and it was there that this brain surgeon rocket scientist Fred decided that he was going to try and rape a girl there. But he began groping her. She was 13, and they were outside on the fire escape. And a good Samaritan, and, you know, we need more of those. We do have a few around. But a good Samaritan, for you that have actually witnessed one, took the liberty of punching Fred and throwing him literally throwing him over the staircase of the fire escape. So Fred is out there. He's 15. There's this 13-year-old girl. He starts literally like putting his hands underneath her sweater and stuff like that, basically pushing her up against the wall. And this other guy walked over and fucking punches him and throws him over the fire escape. Yay, that guy. Good for him. We need more guys like that. Love that guy. All you dudes need to be that guy. And girls, too. Punch the sorry motherfuckers and knock them over the rails of the staircase. Now, my point of telling you this is Fred literally landed on his head. kind of rhymes. Fred landed on his head. So, Fred just loved to fondle women and try his luck. And it was quickly known that when a girl did allow him to have sex with her... He just came real fast and didn't even try to satisfy him either. So he had two head injuries, didn't know how to fuck, didn't know how or didn't want to actually please the women that he had sex with. I I don't know. I guess his mother wasn't a very good teacher. He was what you would call a three-pump chump. If he even got to three, who knows? He probably came in his pants. I, I don't know. I just know that the things I read said that he literally was very, very premature when it came to ejaculating. A good rule is to always leave your woman happy and a little sore. It's just a nice gesture, and, excuse me, a nice gesture to actually care about a woman's pleasure if you would like to actually keep that woman around. Just saying, guys. So back to Fred's trial for raping his little sister. Here's the thing. Even though all his family turned their back on Fred, none of them would testify against Fred. Likely because they were that family that all fucked each other, so why would they, like, tell on each other, right? Parting ways with Fred is different than actually sitting in a courtroom and saying, yes, we saw him fuck the same sister that we were fucking. I don't even know how they know that it was his baby, honestly, from what I read about this family. Like, literally, this family was a fucking fuckfest. Even Fred's little sister, whose name was Kitty, by the way, Fred's little sister, Kitty, that was pregnant. Now, <laughs> Kitty called the police on him and had him arrested and she decided not, she decided not to testify against him for this. 
why the hell she even made a police report is anyone's guess. I, I don't know. But she had a change of heart, if you could call it that. She did, thank God, abort the baby. Because I couldn't imagine a little interbred Fred West running around out there raping everyone. The actual real Fred West is bad enough. Can you imagine a fucking incestuous interbred Fred West? Jesus Christ. That's the shit fucking nightmares are made of. And you guys don't even know what he's done yet. But you will. Now on the subject, I I need to include that upon Fred West's arrest which was in June of 1961, he did seem dumbfounded about raping his 13-year-old sister. He was very, very surprised that this was a crime. This is factual. When the police actually talked to him, you know, you can call it a, oh, what's that word, interrogation? When they interrogated Fred, He literally told the police that he was fucking his 13-year-old sister, and he wondered why he was in trouble for that. He explained to the police that he and his family have all been basically doing this his entire life. And he told them, and I quote, I quote, this is a quote, Doesn't everybody do it? End quote. Now, Fred... If you're listening wherever you are, end quote. And, well, Fred, if you're listening wherever you are, everybody does do it. At least people with sexual desires do it. Only they just choose to do it with people that they're not blood relatives of. I mean, sure, Game of Thrones was based on a brother and sister fucking, but that's just royalty. They all fuck each other. That's why they call them blue bloods. But not poor white trash people that look like trolls. That's just disgusting. Nobody wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to think about it. I'm sorry that I gotta bring it up. I do also have to bring up the subject of the female names in Fred's family. His mother was Daisy. And his sister that he was fucking was named Kitty. Pretty sweet names for a white trash family that all fuck each other. I mean, they're completely stripper names for the most part, but some stripper names are pretty dope, you know, like Ginger, Tiffany, Heather, Angel, Mercedes, and of course, good old Bambi. Oh, you all know the names. Good old Bambi. She's not already booked. Get Bambi, but all the Bambis are usually booked, right? So the rape charges against Fred are all dropped because none of his family will testify, right? And I forgot to mention that when he got arrested for raping his little sister, he went, well, when he got out, he went and moved in with his Aunt Violet, Daisy's sister, for a bit, who I'm assuming probably also fucked Fred while he was there. Perhaps his mother told her sister that he was good in bed. When it comes to this case, literally anything is possible. And if it's gross, it's probable. That's one thing that I've learned. If you think that it could possibly happen and it sickens you, it probably happened. So Fred's now back at home. It's 1962. He was acquitted on all charges. And, of course, his family said, 
hey, come on back home and fuck everybody that you're related to. Because that's what we do here. Yeah, fuck, fuck your mom, fuck your sister, fuck the goats, fuck everything. You're, you're not in trouble anymore, so come home and do that. Fred has no charges, no parole, and two severe head injuries at this time. And his family, well, his family, of course, let him stay. And they're all still a little leery, you know, because he was arrested. And they're still kind of shunning him at this time. And it is now in this time that Fred meets a woman named Catherine Bernadette Costello. Again, that is Catherine Bernadette Costello. It could be Catherine. It's actually spelled Catherine, so I'm guessing it's Catherine, but you know how people are with how they say their names. No relation to Elvis Costello, though, unfortunately. She was just uh, somebody that lived in Scotland. And for some strange reason, everyone called her Raina. How do you take Catherine Bernadette Costello and change that into Raina? I don't know. But that was what they called her. Now, this was not Fred's first time meeting Raina, meaning after he moved back home after the charges were dropped. She had moved to England uh, from Scotland at the age of 16 when Fred was 19 two years previously, which happened to be the year he was arrested for impregnating his 14-year-old sister. And I know I didn't mention Raina before because... There's just a lot to this story. Now, Raina thought that it was really cool when Fred told her that he died on the operating table. What she told everybody when he had his motorcycle accident that he died. But the cop, I was going to say the cops, the doctors that actually worked on Fred, they say that he did not ever die. So this is when Fred also started turning into a pathological liar. Now, the two dated for a bit, and they fought a lot, too. And Raina finally moved back to Scotland, and then, of course, later on moved back to England, where they reunited. And I guess it felt so good. Kind of like the song, right? Reunited and it feels... You're going to have that stuck in your head. Sorry. Now, Raina is almost a female version of Fred. Only she wasn't a troll. She actually looked like a woman. She wasn't very attractive, but she was a female version of Fred. They fuck, they fight, they lie to each other, as well as cheat on each other. Kind of like most relationships these days. Hmm. Raina actually relocated from Glasgow, Scotland to England again because she got pregnant by an Asian bus driver. And Raina's family did not like this at all. They didn't like their little daughter saying, hey, this Asian bus driver knocked me up. Because back then, that was very, very, very extremely taboo. So they kicked her out. When Fred found out that she was back and he found out that she was pregnant, he married her. He found her and married her. Now, Fred was 21 at this time, and Raina was 18. The two decided to abort the baby because it was half Asian. Because remember, they were a lot alike. But nobody would do the surgery for them because why? Can you guess? 
Nobody would do the surgery for them, not because it was Texas, not because it was a state that wouldn't allow abortion. They wouldn't do the pregnancy because she was five months pregnant. So basically an abortion would consist of pulling the baby out and killing it while it took its first breath. Like basically pulling out the baby and beating it with a bat is probably what it amount to. Fucking sad. Trust me. I'm not joking or being sarcastic. It is sad. I'm not going to disclose my personal thoughts on abortion, but I will say that having one at five months pregnant is not something that anyone should ever do, in my opinion. And it's just my opinion, right? However, for Fred, being the outstanding gentleman that he was, Fred decided to abort the baby for her. Or rather for himself, right? Because this was his wife that was having this Asian bus driver's baby. And I am definitely not saying that in a a, uh, racist manner at all. I am not saying that. I am just saying what I have read. And that was one of the biggest problems that they had with the baby was that it was going to be half Asian. So while trying to perform this abortion, though, and they were doing it with a coat hanger, you've, you've... Well, most of you that are at least 15 years old know about coat hanger abortions. They were caught by a man who called the police. Imagine that 911 call. Hey, I just came out here and these two are out here and he's sticking some kind of goddamn motherfucking coat hanger up in her. I've never seen sex like this. So they fled the scene after the, the cops were called and they decided to come up with a new plan. This new plan was a little less bloody. They would get married, and Fred would raise this baby as his own. And that's what they did. In Ledbury, England, on November, uh, November 17, 1962, just two months after they, they got together again, they were married within two months. So backtracking, Fred meets her. They fight a lot. She moves back home. She gets pregnant by an Asian bus driver. She moves back. They get married two months later after trying to literally abort the baby with a clothes hanger. The only person in attendance at this wedding, however, was his brother, Fred's brother, John. Everyone was invited, but nobody wanted to attend. But good old John, being that he actually gave a fuck about Fred, decided to go. Raina and Fred also tattooed each other's names on themselves. And let me just say, that's fucking stupid. Don't do it. It's like a curse. Tattoo a boyfriend or girlfriend's name on you, and you will break up. Like, right away. I've seen it a million times. Sometimes, your milkshake friend's in the yard don't have better lives than yours even if they have your name tattooed on their arm and you can't teach anyone even if you charge you know the milkshake song i could teach you but i'd have to charge get it okay some of you will get it if you're old enough just three months later after this marriage after this wedding reina's biological and fred's stepdaughter Charmaine was born. The baby had darker skin and looked nothing like a baby that them two would have. So the two concocted a story 
of stating that the baby was adopted due to their first pregnancy ending in a miscarriage. So, to recap on this, you know how I love to do this. So, basically, they had the baby. It really did not look like Fred. I guess he was hoping it was going to look like it was half troll. I don't know. But it didn't look like it was half troll. So, they had to concoct a story and say that the that the baby girl was actually not either one of theirs that they had adopted because the first time that they tried to get uh, pregnant, that it didn't work out. And keep in mind, this is after they were married for fucking two months. They initially lived with Fred's Aunt Violet. You remember the one he stayed with when he was uh, going to trial with his... I would say going to trial with the charges of fucking his little sister until she was pregnant. And um, he was still on the outs with his family, kind of. And they later moved to a... It was called Savoy Street in Glasgow. If you know England, you would know where Glasgow is, where Fred began driving an ice cream truck, of all things. Which gives me chills just thinking about this man around a bunch of kids. And on that subject of this troll being around a bunch of kids, in July of 1964, the two had a baby that was actually Fred's this time, at least what everything says was his, and they named her Anna Marie, which is still a very common name today. I know a few of them. In fact, I think I know about five. I don't know. I know a few. Now, Raina was said to be a good mother, struggling to deal with a wicked and evil troll man named Fred. The two girls had bunk beds, meaning Charmaine, their first, that wasn't Fred's, and Anne-Marie, that was Fred's. But Fred caged them both into the bottom bunk and only let them out when he wanted to molest or rape them or make them work. Raina did not know about the sexual deviancy, supposedly. Because, I mean, keep in mind, we, we weren't there. We don't know. But supposedly, Raina didn't know that Fred was raping these little girls and molesting them. And uh, just the physical and psychological abuse that also comes along with being locked up 95% of the time, it really fucked these kids up. The West befriended one of Raina's old friends who had just lost her boyfriend. She actually decided to move in with Fred and Raina. Now, it was during this time that Fred admitted to Raina that he had not only been fucking other women, but he actually had a baby with one of these women who lived in Gorbals. Or it could be Gorbals. It's G-O-R-B-A-L-S. I don't know. I only have four college degrees. I can't pronounce this shit. Now, I hate to keep reiterating that these two were a lot alike, but here's some proof. As soon, and I mean as soon as Raina found out that Fred was sticking his little itsy-bitsy troll dick in another woman, she began an affair with a man named John McLaughlin. No relation to Sarah, unfortunately. God, I love her. It would have been so cool, but John was a mean and... Uh, I, I guess you would say kind of brutal big man who wasn't a bitch and did not mind fighting. And he likely did have a bigger dick. 
but Reyna really, really enjoyed having sex with this man for some reason. So there was something there. And he likely didn't resemble a troll, I'm thinking. I mean, so there's that too. Shortly after all of this drama, one of Reyna's old friends, Via McNeil, and some things that I read had a different name, but we're just going to go with Via because that was the one I saw the most. Via McNeil, who had a boyfriend die on her from a work accident and later moved in the Fred into Fred and Raina's motorhome, which in England they call a caravan. Such as in the Black Sabbath song, Planet Caravan, which is about getting wasted on a ride in a motorhome. And later on, Pantera actually did a pretty cool version of that song, too. I kind of think that we've all been there before, as far as the motorhome thing goes. Now, Via brought her young, and remember, her name's Via, so when I say Via, it's not the adjective Via. Now, Via brought her young 14-year-old friend, Anne McFall, who later, for some ungodly reason, fell in love with Fred the Troll. So all, that would be two, four, six. All six of these people, Fred and five women, two of them being kids, all lived in this motorhome. Now, John McLaughlin was mean, like I said. And remember, this was the guy that was fucking Raina. He went and beat Fred's ass many different times either for hurting Raina or hurting Charlemagne, which was his first daughter by marriage that wasn't his. And I think I actually called her Charmaine. It, it was actually Charlemagne, so my apologies on that. Now, on November 4th of this year, Fred actually backed over a kid and killed him while he was driving his ice cream truck. And guess what? The police let him go and considered it a complete accident. But we know better, and so did much of Glasgow where Fred lived. He also tried raping a 12-year-old girl who had a brother who was in a well-known gang in that area who put a hit out on Fred. After Fred was chased across town by gang members, wielding all kinds of weapons, what I read was like, knives, hatchets, shit like that. You could picture some juggalos back there chasing him. Fred and Raina and their two girls and Anna and Via, all six of them, got in the motorhome and moved to Gloucester. 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 I don't fucking no it's an english name it's g-l-o-u-c-e-s-t-e-r i'm gonna call it gloucester i have no idea why they picked there but it seemed far enough away but not too far is what i'm thinking because it was like maybe an hour away maybe he might not be killed because it was a little distance now with six people living in a motorhome there was finally one fight that led to Raina leaving Fred. It's a big surprise, right? You got fucking six people living in a motorhome. Finally, there was that one big fight to where Raina said, Enough, I'm leaving you, Fred. 
It's not the infidelity. It's not the fact that you're raping our kids. It's not the fact that I have a boyfriend with a bigger dick. No, you beat me up just one too many times, so I'm really going to leave this time. There was also the fact that one of them actually caught Fred molesting his stepdaughter, Charlemagne. And supposedly, the physical abuse just got worse and worse. I swear, these people didn't even have methamphetamine back then. But you would sure fucking think that they did. Now, it was November of 1965, and finally, the whole motley crew of a family, plus Via, but excluding Anna, who thought she loved Fred, got into the car with John McLaughlin, who came to rescue them and return them to Scotland and get all of them the hell away from the evil troll, that which is Fred. However... As they were going to John's car, Fred runs out and grabs Charlemagne. And it is said that he was yelling that he was keeping her and not letting her go. So John jumps out of the car, right? Raina and Via drove off back to Scotland. Uh, What I was saying was John jumped out of the car hitting Fred, but Fred would not let go of Charlemagne. So John, Raina, and Via drove off back to Scotland where John lived. And Fred and young Anna McCall and the kids, Charlemagne and Anna Marie, both were stuck behind with the little troll. Why this happened, I'll never comprehend. Raina knew all too well that Fred was violent sexually sexually abusive and he lived in a fucking motorhome and she just leaves her two baby girls there with him just unfucking believable so why did Anna McCall stay well she actually fell in love with Fred as I stated earlier and she was the one who tipped him off about the others leaving Because that's one thing I forgot to say. When they were actually leaving with John, Fred was supposed to be at work. So Fred left for work, and Anna calls him. Because I guess that she either had the work number, because they didn't have cell phones back then, but somehow she told Fred, hey, all these other women that are here, and your kids, they're all leaving with her boyfriend, with Raina's boyfriend. So that's how that all came about. So, being that she was, at least thought she was in love with Fred, she stayed to live in the motorhome and playhouse with Fred. Anna and Fred did not work out too well. Anna was too young to take care of Fred's daughters. And they shipped them off to a foster home because they couldn't take care of them. They did pick them up every now and then. And then they would return them every now and then when they got sick of them. Raina did return from Scotland to check on the girls every now and then, but she even stole some things from Fred and was arrested and given three years probation. So, to reiterate, she would come back to check on her kids, and when she did, she would steal shit from Fred. And again, there was no meth back then. At least not like in England and stuff like that. Like it did exist, but they weren't doing it. This is just pure fucking insanity 
from being insane, right? She goes to check on her kids and steals a bunch of shit from Fred, who's living out of a fucking motorhome, and he calls the police on her, and she's given three years probation. Anna and Fred weren't doing well at all, and Fred was really still in love with Raina for some reason. Yeah, that's right. Fred was still in love with Raina, who was fucking John on a regular basis, living with John, and who had now had her tattoo of Fred's name crossed out and John's name tattooed under it. I am not making this up. She literally put an X through Fred's name and tattooed John right under where it said Fred. Pretty fucking white trash right there, right? I mean, I mean, not even a cover-up, but actually crossing out the name. Wow. So, not sorry if you've done this before. It's, uh, it's white, 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 white trash. Totally. So, if you've done this before, I'm not going to apologize for talking shit on it. Live with it. Sometimes the truth fucking hurts. So what happens in this dysfunctional love octagon now, right? It's a love octagon. Get it? There's like eight people involved. Well, it's now the beginning of 1967, and Raina, of course, of course, moves back to England to be with Fred yet again, right? This makes fucking like five times that she's left him and came back. But wait, something has gone awry. Anna McFall has somehow ended up pregnant. I guess it occurred while Fred came in her during intercourse. I mean, it could have been the stork, but I'm thinking it was sperm inserted in her vagina from Fred. Now, Fred didn't want this baby, of course, and he didn't want to be with young Anna, who was only 18 while he was 26, even though he was pedophilic. I wouldn't say that he's 100% a pedophile because he liked to rape everybody, and he did grow up fucking his mom, so we'll just say that he had pedophile things going on, but he still loved Raina more. So something had to be done, right? Anna is pregnant. He is back with Raina. Can you guess what that had to be when I say something had to be done? Well, Anna had to be gone. In July of 1967, 18-year-old Anna McFall, who was at this time literally eight months pregnant with Fred West's baby, went missing. Let me repeat that. In July of 1967, 18-year-old Anna McFall, who was literally eight months pregnant with Fred's baby, went missing. She just fucking vanished. Now, right after this, Anna McCall's mother also died, like literally like two, three months after Anna went missing. And though Anna didn't even show up to her mom's funeral, nobody reported her missing. Nobody said anything about her at all. I wonder if her body and her unborn baby will ever be found. Hmm. I guess we'll wait and see. Now, after Anna McFall went missing, Fred and Raina got back together completely, and Fred talked her into prostituting herself out so they could make ends meet. So, once again, reiterating, they basically 
well, not basically. They literally kill eight-month pregnant Anna McFall, get back together, and Fred talks Raina into start into uh, starting to prostitute herself out to make sure they had enough money. Hey, honey, I know we just got back together and we killed this other woman that I got pregnant, but can you maybe start sucking and fucking people so we can make money for rent? I mean, I know it's a lot to ask, but I think you could pull it off, right? Like I said from the beginning, these two were so fucking much alike. Only Fred didn't cross out her tattoo and tattoo anybody else's name, like Anna McCall, for instance, underneath it. Now, around this time, because Raina was whoring herself out and they were making some money, Fred told everybody that he owned a lot of businesses, including an entire fleet of ice cream trucks, because we know his past with ice cream trucks, right? He loved to run over little kids with them and lure them in so he could molest and probably rape them. But he was nothing but a rapist, a murderer, a pedophile, and an habitual liar. And of course, he already officially was accused of raping and molesting over 20 different underage girls at this time. Of course he was. And of course the police didn't do anything at all. The youngest one that Fred West was actually charged with raping was a 10-year-old girl. But he had no age limit. It was just sex to him. It wouldn't matter if she was 8 or 80. It would have just been the same thing. Fred was a fucking habitual sex offender. He likely began sexually assaulting his own sisters at, at the age... and I would say his sisters and his daughters both at the age like 3 to 5. And for all you listeners who are not aware of what molesting is... It means touching and fondling. There's no penetration or oral copulation, just to be clear. So about a year goes by, and Fred and Raina finally part ways again. Of course, they part ways again. And Fred, of course, keeps the kids. Raina once again heads off into the sunset with her tattooed arm of Fred and John on it, whoring herself out. And then something miraculous happens for Fred. Something that is going to change the lives of many, many people for the worst. We are about to get into the real, real heart and soul of this fucked up story. Like I said, you are going to hear some things that you are never going to forget. So, be ready for that. Something in your eyes That I 
that was my good friend Chris Elkins with his new song, Low, also known as The Big Elk, and also known as Amber Fry from the Scott Peterson case's ex. Yeah, he dated Amber for a while. I know Amber, too. She's, she's a good person. Now, as a special bonus for this episode, we will be having the after episode discussion with Chris and we will be talking about many things so you should really stick around for that I think you're going to dig it after this piece that I'm talking about in the story we're going to go right to the discussion we're not going to do a song and then the discussion so please hang out for that I think it's going to be a good talk now back to this after school special story So far in this story, Fred West has had around three jail sentences, two major head injuries. He admitted to having sex with his mother and his sisters, impregnating one of his sisters that was only 14, married a woman named Raina Costello, also known as Catherine Costello, but they called her Raina for some ungodly reason, and the two had a daughter named Charlemagne that Fred abused in every way, shape, and form. And he had a real biological daughter with Raina, and her name was Anna Marie. So he had two daughters, one that was Raina, and uh, Raina got pregnant by an Asian bus driver, as I said in part two. And he had his real daughter, biological daughter, I wouldn't say real daughter, because stepkids are real kids. It just wasn't a biological daughter named Anne-Marie. That was his biological daughter. And he impregnated another woman named Anna McFall, who actually stayed with him about the third time that Raina left him, because if you remember, she left him about five times. And Anna got pregnant while Fred and Raina were estranged, And Anna was eight months pregnant, and she ended up missing. She just fucking vanished. After, of course, Fred and Raina got back together. Kind of weird, right? Makes you think a little bit. And now he's all alone with his daughters, because Raina has left him for the third time, because... He was forcing her to prostitute herself out while he was also abusing her in every way because that's what he does. He was just getting out of jail again for stealing from the company he was working for when he spotted something while driving. There was a young girl at a bus stop who had just turned 15. This was in Cheltenham, England. Fred was 27 at this time. So, her being 15, she was the perfect age for him in his mind, right? Fred went back to talk to her. The girl didn't want anything to do with a 27-year-old troll who looked more like he was 35. However, after some relentless conversation and offering to ride the bus with her, Fred did make her laugh, and he made her smile, and he found out the young girl's name was Rose. You know, like in the title, Rose. 
Now, Rose had a very abusive upbringing, and she had psychological problems, which included rocking, banging her head on things involuntarily, and becoming withdrawn and becoming unaware of her surroundings. Kind of like being in a trance, right? Like a full-blown trance. And uh, this is more of a psychosis type thing. Not so much just like uh, things that you could treat with medication. Psychosis is more of a physical abnormality. So Rose also had a father named Bill. And Bill had beaten and raped Rose pretty much her entire life. And this didn't just come from Rose. There are lots of other witnesses that will say that they knew about this. And why they did nothing about it? Well, hey, it was the 60s, and nobody gave a fuck about things like that, right? This is all new. If you remember, Fred's upbringing was very similar. I mean, Fred had been beaten. He was fucking his mother at 12, and he had two severe head injuries. So they were both raped as children by their own parents, and... We have to say that with a grain of salt because we don't know the whole truth. But, yeah, they were both being fucked by their parents. They both suffered from some type of psychosis, some type of brain damage. If you remember, Fred actually had a metal plate put in his head. And they were both misfits all around. Oh, and one last thing. Both of their mothers were named Daisy. Trip the fuck out, right? Daisy, both of their mothers, wasn't a very common name. There were Daisies out there because there was the Dukes of Hazard and there was Daisy Dukes and stuff like that, but for both of their mothers to be named Daisy, that's fucking weird. Now, Fred had to really take his time with Rose because she knew that he was creepy, but he even showed up to her workplace where she made bread. And that kind of won her over a little, a little bit. I sincerely think that Fred, for the first time, was really in love. Was it a healthy, wholesome love? Fuck no. It was insidious and evil. But nevertheless, it was a form of love. He had never went so hard after a woman before. Never went so relentlessly to try to date a woman before this. There was just something about the heavy-set, horned-rimmed glasses-wearing Rose that drove Fred fucking crazy-er. He actually paid a woman to go inside of Rose's work and give her gifts on a regular basis while he waited outside. And keep in mind, Fred lived in a fucking motorhome. This wasn't a rich guy. So him doing that actually meant that he liked her. He then asked her out, and after after like two or three times, she finally accepted. And after she accepted, it was fucking on. The two immediately became inseparable. Rose was bullied her whole entire life up to this point. 
she was sexually and psychologically abused by her father and made fun of by her peers and being overweight and all of that just really fucked her up so the two quickly became a giant weapon of mass destruction literally overnight it was truly sincerely a match made in hell they wasted no time in becoming the perfect sadistic sexual partners with each other they were both sexually dysfunctional fred was sadistic rose was masochistic and rose let fred do literally anything that he wanted to do to her she let him beat her till she was bloody she let him call her terrible names the whole time he fucked her anally penetrate her with objects with everything and pretty much anything that you can see in a porn these days but back then this was pretty big fucking taboo big big deal type shit you know i mean it was it wasn't like now she was made for fred and fred was spawned from satan and together they were literally a living hell for every person that they could get their hands on and all those people actually happened to be women young women for the most part it was a hell worse than any other couple that i've ever encountered even worse than paul and carla in the previous two episodes and that's saying a lot because those two were pretty fucked up and to me they were nothing compared to Fro- to uh, fred and rose now rose's parents daisy and bill completely forbade the relationship when they found out that fred was literally 12 years older than the 15 year old underage rose however in england at this time the age of consent was only 16 as it is still in a few states in america so they didn't have long to wait before they were free within just a few weeks of rose and fred meeting she left her job at the bread shop where she worked to be a full-time sex slave to fred as well as a nanny to his stepdaughter charlemagne and his daughter Anne marie at first fred had to give rose money to give her parents to hide the fact that she quit her job and became a full-time sex slave this worked for a little while but when rose's parents found out the truth which was that rose and fred had not only started fucking in every way shape and form but he also had her selling her pussy and her mouth and her ass to men fred even took it one step further though with rose he actually put a hole in the closet and whenever possible he would actually jerk off while he watched rose fuck and suck other men they actually kept a collection of rose's panties when men would come inside of her when the cum would leak out onto her panties they would keep them fred made sure damn sure to keep all the semen stained panties that rose wore when she fucked 
uh, I guess I would say African Americans, black men, whatever you want to say that not get me in trouble or make me sound like a racist, we'll just say black dudes. Okay? So when she fucked black dudes, he kept her panties, especially when there was semen in it. Fred had an obsession with Rose fucking black men. I'm guessing Fred was hung like a tiny little bird, and actually he just liked to see what a big dick looked like. I I, I don't know really what caused this. I never found anything that stated that Fred was bisexual, but I can almost guarantee you that he would have fucked anything that was alive, and more than half of everything that was dead, and I'm sure that he actually did. As sadistic and perverted as Fred was, excuse me, as sadistic and perverted as Fred was, I would be extremely surprised if he wasn't a necrophiliac as well. About the only sexual deviancy I don't see him engaging in is cannibalism. Fred wasn't satanic. He wasn't like a ritualistic person. He was just into orgasms at any cost to anyone, no matter who or what they were even his own flesh and blood. Excuse me, I mean, especially his own flesh and blood. That forbiddenness really turned Fred on. Fred could never just start kissing a woman and get erect and have regular sex. It would never be enough to make him come. If that were the case, he'd really seriously have to fantasize about some very, very sick shit. I believe all humans do that to an extent when they have an orgasm and when they masturbate, of course. But some fantasies are much more sick and deviant and twisted and violent and bloody than others, right? Nobody jacks off to the same thing. Every person masturbates to different things. Now, when Rose's parents went to social services... They took Rose into custody immediately, and she remained in custody until her 16th birthday. Big surprise, though. Rose was pregnant with Fred's baby, and the baby was conceived while she was underage, of course. Fred had never been charged for some strange reason. And Rose and Fred picked up Fred's other two children, and they began living together like a happy little family. And of course, Rose's family completely disowned her, which Fred absolutely loved. Because now, now Rose was 100% his property, and there would be no interference whatsoever from anybody or anything. Fred was molesting and beating his daughters, beating and raping his pregnant girl, and he was a very happy and satisfied sexual dysfunctional predator three months later the couple moved out of fred's caravan or motorhome whichever country you want to talk about and likely with the money that rose was making selling her pussy her mouth and her ass and they relate they uh removed to a ground floor flat in a two-story house in glaucaster And again, I don't know how to pronounce all these words. Gloucester. I don't really care because it's English, and I don't really have an English audience. I have an American audience for the most part, and Gloucester will work. Right? Right, dudes? All right. 
On October 17, 1970, Rose gave birth to their first child, Heather Ann. Some rumor, some rumors speculated that Heather was actually Rose's father's child, Bill, which definitely could be true. Two months later, Fred was once again incarcerated for stealing a car. He was just a jack of all fucked up trades, right? He was locked up until June 24th of 1971. While he was locked up for about the six months that he was locked up, Rose had to mature really fast. She had to take care of all three of the kids, hers and the two other ones. And they were all instructed to call her mother immediately. And keep in mind, they literally barely knew this bitch. She wasn't that much older than them also. It was a very strange situation, to say the the least. Charlemagne, the oldest, furiated, or furiated, excuse me, furiated Rose because she never wanted to listen or obey Rose. She always told Anne-Marie that her mother would come save her. This is where Rose began showing her true sadistic colors. She would literally tie Charlemagne up naked, urinate on her, beat her, let anyone who came over see her naked body, do things like molest her and things like that. I never read anything that said any penetration took place, but she was definitely putting her out there on display, and she loved every fucking minute of it. And keep in mind, Charlemagne was seven years old at this time. She was seven. On more than one occasion, Charlemagne was also admitted into the hospital with burns, puncture puncture wounds, and a variety of brutal trauma. Just a whole bunch of shit. She was literally always in the hospital because she had to be. Because if they didn't save her, they would have to worry about, you know, about going to jail for killing her. Why the fuck English social services never intervene is beyond me. It was 1971 and kids didn't matter much back then. Hell, they barely matter now, 52 years later, right? Things only got worse and worse until there was nothing left of Charlemagne. In June of 1971, right before Fred's release from jail, Rose killed Charlemagne. Rose claimed that Raina, Fred's first wife, finally came and got her and took her back to Scotland. When Anna Marie asked why her mother didn't get her too, Fred told her that Raina wouldn't want her because she was the wrong color. You know what I mean? Because uh, Charlemagne was darker because she had a dark Asian father. So you want to talk about a fucking poor little girl growing up psychologically fucked up. That'll do it. Don't worry, we will get into the uh, specific details of all of these murders. Right now, just let me tell a little bit more of the story. But know that Charlemagne's naked body was kept in the coal cellar of their Midland flat until Fred got released because Charlemagne was killed by Rose while he was incarcerated, as I said. Shortly after Charlemagne was killed... Raina, her mother, 
actually did come looking for her. Remember, Reyna was her actual biological mother. Now, when this happened, Fred took Reyna to a pub to calm her down and have a drink and discuss Charlemagne with her. When they left, Fred strangled her to death in the back of his Ford Popular, which I have no idea what kind of car it is, but it's a Ford Popular. But it's not very popular because I didn't, I've never seen one. But he strangled her in the back of that. So now we have a dead Reyna. We have a dead Charlemagne. I'm not too familiar with the car, as I said, but uh, you can look it up. I, I, I don't know what it looks like. Now, when Reyna was murdered by Fred, she was also very intoxicated, and he raped her as well. I mean, come on, it's Fred. I don't believe he had the ability to kill any woman without raping her or really be around a woman when he had an erect penis without raping her, for that matter. Now, to celebrate their first murder together, Fred and Rose got married. Yeah, you heard me right. They both killed somebody. They both killed a, a, a woman. Well, one killed a woman and one killed a little, a little girl. And to solidify the glory of that to them, they got married. The wedding was on exactly one year before I was born, which is really weird. And I mean me, like the wedding was exactly one year before I was born. The fucking day, to the day, January 29th is my birthday. My birthday year is 1973. These two motherfuckers got married on January 29th, 1972. Think I'm not tripping out when I'm reading this shit? Now all... <laughs> now, you all know I'm, that I'm biologically old. However, I'm really not. I'm like fucking superhuman or whatever you want to say. I don't look like I'm 50 and I'm definitely not acting like I'm 50. On the marriage license, Fred put that he was a bachelor, even though he had just killed his stepdaughter and his real wife. Yeah, so he was also a bigamist. And he was still legally married. Big surprise. Oh, that Fred. Like Fred's marriage to Raina, nobody showed up besides John. And John was there again and acted like his best man. Why the fuck John still liked Fred is just beyond me, but he did. Perhaps the two had some skeletons in the closet together, you know what I mean? Like maybe they pulled some incest together with good old mom. I, I don't know. A few months later, Rose was pregnant again. So the family moved into a bigger house on 25 Cromwell Street. The baby was born, and of course it was another girl. They named her May. And it was June. But they named her May. Very interesting name, I must say. After May's birth, Rose began sucking and fucking for money again immediately. In fact, it didn't say it in everything that I read, but I'm pretty sure she was still sucking and fucking until she had May. Like, there's men that are very into pregnant women for some reason. So, she now had her own room for all of this sex. There was literally a fuck room in their house. And advertised in a local magazine called Contact. And there might be some English fuck right now that's listening and saying, oh, I had that bloody magazine. Maybe I fucked her. Who knows? 
Besides whoring herself out, Rose was having sex with everyone that stayed at their flat. I mean, this bitch just literally had a dick in her 24 hours a day. When she had sex with women, she began to get extremely sadistic with the women. She began suffocating the women until they passed out and tying them up and fucking them with huge, huge painful dildos. Kind of reminds me of Ray Parker Jr. or whatever the fuck his name is from episode 2. The huge painful dildos. If you remember that story, yeah, he had some dildos with nails and shit in it. But the couple also had dogs, and they would have sex with the dogs on many occasions. Yeah, gotta love the bestiality, right? Even sometimes at parties, they would fuck their dogs and let other people fuck their dogs and suck their dogs off and all the good stuff that, you know, these people that like to fuck dogs do. Soon after all this, Rose's father forgave the couple and actually became a client. I want you to really understand what I'm saying here. Rose's father, Bill, forgave Fred and forgave Rose, and he actually began paying Fred to fuck Rose, his own daughter. How's that for fucking strange, crazy shit? Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of a whore being paid by her own father to fuck her? Yeah, I haven't. And I study this shit. Crazy. Fred would actually masturbate and watch Rose have sex with her father, of course. And this this is proven like this is real. This is a fact. I checked out many sources. This was real. Soon, the first boy of the couple, Stephen, was born. So... Finally, there's a boy. Finally, Fred actually had a a woman conceive a child with him that didn't pop out a a little girl from the rape. With as many people that Rose let come in her, there's no telling actually who the real father was. So now the happy family was five. The child abuse that was endured in the home was absolutely and fucking insane. The children were tied up regularly, molested, and the older ones were raped on a regular basis. And I'm not talking molestation. I'm talking rape, penetration. And they were also tortured beyond belief. In September of 1972, when Anna Marie was only eight, she was led upstairs, gagged, and tied up and raped by Fred while Rose cheered him on. Rose literally sat there, masturbated, and watched Fred rape his eight-year-old daughter. When it was over, Rose followed and taunted Anne-Marie, stating that she needs to get over it. This is only the beginning, and everyone does it. Do you remember that phrase, everyone does it? The first time that Fred was arrested for fucking his little sister and getting her pregnant, he said, doesn't everyone do it? And she would say things like, it's no big deal. You're going to be fucking lots of men. And just telling this eight-year-old girl all of this sick fucking shit. Now, I don't want to do this to you. I really don't. As much as I can't stand this, this is 
part one. I wasn't planning that. There was just no way around it. After I started writing it, after I did the intro and said I wasn't going to do that, there was just no way. I can't upload a fucking podcast longer than this one's going to be. So we still have so much to go over, like all the gory details, the bodies, the mutilations, the the shit that you are just not going to fucking believe. Like, I don't think I've ever talked about anything like this case is all going to be in part two. And I'm not telling you this is a cliffhanger and getting you to, to like listen to the story. I don't want to ruin my credibility. I'm telling you, when I put out part two, and I will put it out very soon, you are going to trip the fuck out. I tripped the fuck out when I read this in everything that I read it in. Books, Wikipedia, of course, everything I could find on the internet, documentaries, like, I just kept thinking this has to be made up, and it's not. I really want to thank you for listening. Please follow the show on IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast, and please, whatever platform, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please subscribe. It really makes a big difference. And remember, we do have Chris Elkins on literally right now. No song is going to be played. I'm oh, I'm going to do probably one of his songs after we do that discussion. But no song, like literally, I am calling him right now. Let's do this. Hey, what's up, man? Okay, hold on. Let me get the volume set up and get you right by the microphone i had to make some altercations but we are recording right now and i am probably going to leave this in because i don't feel like editing stuff <laughs> but it's all good people like shit that's raw all right go, go ahead and talk for a second like just like say hello hey how you doing man glad to be a part of the show is kind of cool chicken that last one was pretty freaking dark though man <laughs> everything that i do is pretty dark on here yeah yeah i've listened to a few of them that one that one definitely i don't know that, that one just just all the incest and freaking the poor kids it's like, oh Jesus. yeah you, you have to like listen to part two i mean yeah it's gonna it's gets like a hundred percent worse like you haven't heard nothing yet like nothing why this the reason why this story let me back up here i'm getting a little hot on the microphone the reason why this story isn't more how would you say it more popular is because the documentaries and stuff on tv they don't want to fuck with it you know because it's it's just too fucked up it's that fucked up yeah so people want to just hear about somebody that's cheating on somebody or something and they get drunk and kill somebody they don't want to hear about all this shit so well yeah it's kind of like you're Everything else in pop culture, it's it's good to be a little bit out there to a point. But once it gets past that, it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to be that long. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to fuck with it, but I fuck with it, and I got a lot of weirdos that listen to my show, and they they like that type of stuff. So I, the reason why I do stuff like that, as far as stories like that, is not for shock value or anything like that. I do it because. Basically, I I like people to know what's out there because Fred West is out there. There's other people like him out there. There's yeah. things like this going on everywhere. And like, if you don't talk about it, then 
you're pretty much oblivious to it. And I don't think anybody should be oblivious to things like that that's going on in the world. Yeah, it, it, that's a tough one. And there's there's the whole head in, you know, uh, head in the sand, but don't, exactly. you don't know, can't hurt you. And then there's also the same what you're talking about where there's there's people out there that are feel safer because of the amount of knowledge they have about some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily feel safer with the shit that I know. I just I just feel that nothing surprises me and I'm always on the lookout for things that are fucked up if that makes sense. It's like I don't yeah. I don't think that I would less likely to get shot or killed or anything like that. It's just like, you know, you just kind of see it coming a little more and you it's kind of like putting on a seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's and probably be able to identify it some messed up situations that other people might not be able to see and be able to help out, you know, somebody that's being you know, mistreated or molested like that, you know, uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting. You, you meet people throughout your life that have come from just completely different families. And it's like, you know, they can, they can spot um, a family that, that like theirs a mile away. Yeah, and especially when you see the kids and you see them withdrawn, and you're like, okay, there's there's something fucked up going on, yeah. you know. And one of the one of the most craziest things out of the whole story on part one that that I'm releasing with with this interview is uh, is basically the the part where literally her dad not only not only did he fuck her since she was a, since she was a kid, and I don't know what age she was, but that was a definite thing. But then he went back and started paying for her to fuck him when she became a prostitute and she was like 17 yeah, years geez. old <laughs> i mean is that fucking dysfunctional or uh, what yeah that's and we that's just the next level shit right we, we we americans we we think that you know england is all civilized and that we're a bunch of fucking like crazy people over here because we have guns and we do a bunch of more dope than they do and stuff like that but you know what england's pretty fucked up i mean they have some fucked up shit. I've read some very, very harsh stories from England. I'm, oh, talk- yeah. I'm talking about recently. You know? Yeah, it's- yeah. The, the time I was, uh, it's kind of interesting because you know you got the a lot of the bigger cities in England uh, versus, and then you've got like in Ireland, you've got some of these weird little small farm towns, and everybody looks thinks they're everything's all all beautiful and everybody's all happy milking cows and making Irish cheese and there's weird crap like this going on out there in the out in the sticks that nobody wants to talk about or or acknowledge. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the biggest things that was going on with this with this story is people, especially back in that time, not only did they not care so much about kids and there was you know, the laws were completely different against kids and stuff like that. But also, they didn't really want to believe that type of stuff. And they didn't want to act like that type of stuff was going on in their in their fucking hood, in their neighborhood, in their cities, you know. So that's just like, oh, well, if we don't think about it, we don't talk about it, we don't, we don't incarcerate over it, and we don't charge them with it, then it's probably not going to happen. Let's just close well, our eyes. Yeah, back then, too, I remember my great-grandma talking to me about, not necessarily something like this, but about uh, things of that na- this nature and how it was a, uh, quote, family matter. You know, Exactly, uh, exactly. It's something like that back then. It wasn't up to the police to, uh, 
take care of some of this stuff. Obviously, we got a little bit too out of hand or started involving people outside the family. But, I mean, back then, it it really was all about, um, you know, the, the family unit is going to police itself. And, you know, if all that stuff's going on, all the stuff that Jeff was doing to everybody or, you know, his mom and all that stuff, that's just the way their family is. Everybody's all, well, that's none of my business. Cause that's, and that's and the, that's children were... Children and wives were property, you know? I mean, that's just the way it was. That was that was your matter. If you wanted to fuck your property, obviously it was okay yeah. because that belonged to you. You know, it's 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 just fucking crazy. But yeah, very very crazy story. There's been it's a part one, there's not a lot that we could talk about. I just, you know, wanted to have you on the show. We're gonna have you back on the show here, you know, in the next few months too, when we could actually have a better case that has a ending because <laughs> right now yeah. you don't know the Indian and stuff like that so we could just kind of like reminisce over a few of the things that I said in it but right. you know basically we're, we're just going to talk more music on this one and stuff like that so the song <laughs> Low I, I, I really love the fact that that song and, and I'm not saying anything about like your other music or anything like that because I like everything that you put out but that song especially is very fucking unique I've never heard anything like it like I oh, mean, thank you. I mean, you have some like the uh, the 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 dueling fifth on the on the solos and I mean on the solo and stuff like that because there's more than one solo. But I mean, like you're you're doing a little more sweeping on it. Your your voice is different. <laughs> like it's it's just kind of all over the place. Even the tone of the guitar is different too. You're not you're not coming out with a with a dime bag Daryl chainsaw tone and and it's still distorted and it's it's nice and it's recorded it's recorded well. Did did you do that at a, at a rabbit hole? Yeah, yeah, I did that with Kyle and Tito out at the rabbit hole. Uh, nice. And for all of you that aren't don't aren't familiar, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but the rabbit hole's in Fresno. Yeah, Fresno, California. Um, he's the guy that did my the my record, Damaged Like Me. Um, and uh, you know, the, the one thing that's kind of crazy is the low's been around for a little bit. We just finally got around recording it when i first started playing with tom tom storm and wolfie daniel wilson um you know i had this i actually wrote that in freaking in the garage uh on an acoustic guitar and then you know kind of started jamming it with with the guys and it just turned into kind of like i've always been a big down uh coc uh fan and this this kind of felt like it had that vibe to it to a point but i mean that the song song is actually kind of about this couple and you know the 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 dude looking at um you, you know the, the all all of his problems he's gonna you know bring her with him on all this and then realizing that she actually is a bunch of um things going on with her um, that she doesn't want to talk about. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of all about that weird point where you get two people that are having issues and they don't communicate through shit and they ends up just blowing, blowing things up at the end. And, you know, if had they been able to work things out as, as far as actually talk about things probably probably would have had a better chance of uh be, both of them being happy it's that's not a down or or you know coc type of vibe as far as the lyrical content but you know it is kind of heavy uh heavy thing to talk about and 
What do you What do you mean by the actual word low? Like, what would you put the put the definition as in that song? Like, if you were just to put it in one sentence. Well, the uh, the the definition. Uh, well, for me, low is it's just a um, a feeling. Um, is it like I low think, life, or it, it's it's more no, inside, think, like uh, a depression? Yeah, it's, it's it's more like yeah, a, a depressed um, feeling. You know, sometimes people get into a point where they're not necessarily depressed, but they're they're not feeling good about themselves. They're not really happy with the relationship they're in, um, um, or you know, they're just in a in a spot where you know finances aren't doing good. You know, maybe lost a job. They're just at a at a low point. Kind of like ninety nine percent of the population in America right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and that song was actually kind of came out of, um, you know, kind of my experiences. Uh, hard, to- like, hard I mean, times, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, and, and you 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 get into points where you think that you're just no good. I mean, that's one of the lyrics. Uh, I'm feeling low. You're in my head. I can't let you go. Yeah, when I listen to it, it's kind of like I'm I'm kind of down to whore myself out. I'm down to rob somebody. I'm down to do what I have to do to survive. Types type stuff is what I kind of what I kind of like feel when I when I heard it. Type stuff. Yeah, I, I get a lot of people that, that 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 pull a lot of different things from the lyrics, and I like that because you know just because I wrote it kind of in this with this idea doesn't mean that that's what. Everybody, it, oh, I yeah. think it, it, it being whatever somebody wants to get. That's why the lyrics are, just, you know, they're not um, completely like masking what I'm trying to say. But the, I mean, really, the biggest thing was uh, talking about not not being able to um, get out of your own way. Really, is is what that whole thing is, um, and just just going, I'm no good. I got to let you go. I got to get you out of my world. Yeah, a toxic toxicity and yeah, and, and ambiguity. I think in in songs in general is is really great because it's just like movies or anything else. Everybody's going to have their own interpretation of stuff. Some people are going to be afraid. Some people are going to want to become a villain or you know whatever. So it's like you know when Elton John or actually Bernie Tappan wrote the songs for Tiny Dancer, he wasn't right. actually talking about a little fucking itty bitty two inch dancer. You know, right. it's, like, it's like, you know, it's 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 whatever you want it to be. And that's what the beauty, beautiful thing is. And, you know, we, we can't all just write a song called WAP about a wet fucking pussy. You know, it's like <laughs> we, we have to write songs that actually mean something to us. And then other people can take that interpretation. Yeah, I know. And it's always kind of fun because, I mean, for me, some of the, my favorite songs of all time, um, I didn't even have the words right, man. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, and so yeah. it is. So it. It, it came out. It, it ended up being a totally different uh, meaning, and I, you know, and, and over the last, you know, uh, few years, me actually like learning some of these songs and covering them. You know, I've had different people ask me, "Hey, can you play this one for me?" Or whatever. I learn them, and I'm like, "Is that what he said?" Oh, well, shit, yeah, he, like did, he didn't say wrapped up like a douche. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> First I still off, don't know what he, I still don't know what that, that what that line is, dude. Or what the uh, fuck it was written for, and who cares? Because it's just you know it's a staple in music, but. First time I heard uh, "Wet Ass Pussy," I thought it actually said "White Ass Honky," so I really liked the song. I was like, "Get to get some of this white ass honky." You get it. <laughs> That's so, funny shit. So, talking about music, um, what 
you you and I had had a talk a long time ago, and you you kind of switched professions after after we talk and stuff. I am by no means taking credit over what you've done musically, right. but I kind of like helped you push push you in that direction. What now that you have become full time, like you know, playing music professionally and stuff like that, what has been like one? Of, what is like one of the biggest things that you fucking hate about it? Oh. Uh... I mean, for me, I, uh, I'm traveling, uh, obviously. It's hard. Uh, yeah, because I do a lot of any other thing that it, it, it's actually probably one of the things I love the most about it. I also don't like, and that's uh, uh, other musicians. <laughs> and when I say that, I'm talking about the guys in my band. <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> you know, the bands are hard. It, I mean, that's the reason why like, I'm a one-man band now these days. Yeah, and see, I've got a bunch of different guys. I, I do that because, and they're all great guys. It's just that the hardest thing about it is actually just trying to get people where they need to go, get them the music so that they know what they need. Um, uh, and it's harder and, for you because you actually go under your name. And so yeah. they're like, well, hey, I'm not Chris Elkins, so if I got something else to do, fuck this. You know, I don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah, luckily I don't have quite, I don't have really have that. It's it's not quite like that. Most not that, not that are, you know about. You just don't yeah. know, you don't well, know what yeah. they're thinking. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's just, you know, one of those things where... Uh, there's a reason why I've got two guys that play drums for me, two guys that play bass, and two guys that play guitar. Actually, I've got three different drummers that I use, and some of them. And I've also got another another couple guys that do um, acoustic stuff with me. And I do that because I'm trying to get my music out. I can't rely on you know uh, just having one specific band, which I would love to be able to do. But the, the difference, you know, uh, if you listen to the record, it's kind of all over the place as far as it, that goes from, you know, almost like 60s pop, you know, or country kind of stuff to a little bit heavier. And you got songs like Low, where coming in with Tommy, Wolfie, and Turner, we started playing, we're like, oh, this is heavy. This is, you know, this this is good shit. And you go, hey, man, we need to, let, let, let's trick things up a little bit and get some of these harmony guitar solos back into this thing, you know, uh, and kind of try and do it tasteful and, you know, um, have it be also something that was just 100% recorded live. Um, you yeah, know, you could tell that too. And I, I, I like that. And I've been doing that myself. The last song that I recorded at Rabbit Hole, I actually just put microphones all around me and fucking did the song completely live. And I've never, yeah. I've never done that before. And I actually, I like that. If there's a little mistake here and there, I, I think it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, that, that, that's one of the things that's, uh, Definitely different from my other band, Philly by Proxy, which is actually where I'm heading to uh, Sacramento. We're going to be playing at the Boardwalk. Uh, I played there. Night. Yeah, I played there. That's in Sunnyvale. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. I haven't played that since like 08 when I opened up for freaking uh, Power Man 5000 and Cage 9. <laughs> yeah, we opened uh, up for fucking Mudvayne when Mudvayne was like still mm-hmm. small enough to play clubs like that. Sick. And that was that was when I was in the band, the band Sick. You know that was uh, that was some good uh, days. Right. I was in that band, and then uh, Six Ounce after that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was it those those were good days. You know, and yeah. I, I think that it was easier to keep bands back then because there was more money to be made. It was uh, it was just everything was easier. Like the the whole music industry right now to me is getting better in a lot of ways, but financially it's going literally to fucking hell. 
Like, yeah, literally. Yeah, there's no, there's not going to be, the, the only rock stars you're going to have anymore are going to be the ones that have the most followers um, and have, and, and that's one thing I hate about music right now and podcasts in, in for like musicians. I'm glad a lot of them aren't doing that many of them because yeah. it's kind of one of those things where I don't want to meet, you know I mean? It's like, as soon as I started watching some of them, because I'm a huge Black Sabbath, Ozzy is my guy. I named my son after Zach Wilde, even spelled his name Z-A-K-K-A-R-Y. Right. Um, and, you know, when I first started watching some of these documentaries, I, I went, you know, it, it was actually going on with you know Ozzy's life, you know I was like, oh Jesus, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, how he's wanna, still alive. How he's yeah. still alive is just insane. I mean, you have literally Motley Crue saying Ozzy Osbourne was a crazy drug addict. You yeah. you have Motley Crue saying that. How the fuck yeah. do you live to be seventy five years old? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, well, I mean, it's the same thing with with you know, look at. Um, you know, like Keith Richards and some of these other guys, you're like, wow, geez. Apparently there, there is some, 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 uh, validity to the term about Mickey Mantle gene. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, 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 it's all fucking changed. Uh, let's talk just a second about, uh, about Amber. And I don't want to talk about Amber's personal life or anything like that. Like right. I, I said before, I, I like Amber. I've known Amber literally since high school. I, I used to, yeah. uh, kind of hang out with her, her, uh, younger sister, Ava. And, um, she was real good friends with Stephanie who, who I was real good friends with. So like we all kind of hung out, but I didn't, I met Amber a lot of times and seen Amber, but I didn't really get to know her till like she was with you. And uh, right. she's an awesome person, you know. I mean, she's she took two of the pictures that I actually even use on on my Facebook profile. So she's a good photographer, you know. A lot of people just know about her with the uh, with the Scott Peterson thing. And and uh, yeah. my first question is like, how how did you guys meet? Because I don't even know how how you that how you uh, got to meet her. Um. It was, well, I mean that, that that's kind of a there's a couple of different parts that we actually had met uh, briefly and didn't real, realize um, uh, it when we kind of reacquainted. Uh, we had met like when I was like 18 or 19, but um, she just started coming out to shows um, and um, like uh, the her. Guy, she was dating before me. Mike was a friend of mine, and he would come. He came out. He would bring her out to shows and stuff like that. And then they split up, and she just kept coming out. And are you talking about Mike, the one that's all fucked up from falling through like eight ceilings? <laughs> the, yeah, the big Viking dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was actually one of my students for a while when I was living in Clovis. I uh, can't remember what, what's his last name again. Connor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I nice like guy. him. Yeah. You know, he had a death experience thing to where like he said that when he died, he was told that he could come back if he wanted to. And he, he asked this entity if his dick was going to work and the, the entity said yes. <laughs> so that's what made him come back. So I'm like, well, I'm glad uh, yeah, that I remember worked. him telling me that story because I remember he was pretty messed up. And that's why he was getting, he was going through getting all these tattoos. And, yeah, he has uh, a lot of tattoos. So yeah, it was funny because actually it was, it was for for a while there he was actually my my barber uh, named Bay Van Tran. He was actually getting his hair cut by Bay for a while too. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, Mike's Mike's a good guy, and I, I know that uh, 
he was living with her for a while as well. And yeah, uh, yeah, when we were dating. <laughs> it, it's crazy to think that she was like yeah. on Oprah and stuff. I mean, and for anybody that doesn't know, I didn't say Amber's last name on during this interview. It's Amber Fry, the one with the Scott Peterson's case. I did mention that earlier in the show, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, she's a normal person like everybody else, and she mm-hmm. meets this fucking guy, and uh, allegedly, I still don't know or think that you know, that he's guilty 100% for sure. I don't know what fucking happened. I don't think he's smart enough to have pulled that murder off and not have one bit of DNA, and that's the only reason why I think that he's kind of innocent, but he's he's still a piece of shit either fucking way. Yeah. But it wasn't her fault. There was nothing like that. It's just... And the next thing you know, you know, I'm seeing this this girl that I that I used to fucking hang out with a little bit in high school on Oprah Winfrey. It's like, wow, this is fucking crazy. And then you're yeah, dating, was, you're dating her for like a year and a half, two years, or whatever the fuck you guys are going out for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it seemed like that. It was only about a year. <laughs> okay, so but I mean that's still significant. And yeah, yeah, no, and it, yeah, it was the, that that whole thing. I was actually in Modesto um, uh, right before. I mean, I, I moved right before all that happened. I moved in uh, October of '02. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going. I was actually. Um, yeah, I was actually um, running an uh, insurance company up there. Um, this, yeah, this a long time ago now. And I still, you know, uh, remember going to this place called P. Wexford's and hanging out and talking to this guy. And he's telling me about, hey, man, you need to get out of the office and, you, you know, out, out of town sales guy. You, you can get away with whatever. And I remember... <laughs> freaking being in the office and they're like oh my god look at this i'm freaking you know they arrested him and I was like, oh shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and it was it was kind of a trip because i was in i was there there in 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 modesto and that the, the entire town didn't matter where you were going you were in yeah. the grocery store everybody you know, fucking knew you know oh that's all that anybody talked about first well uh, yeah for like a year or two and a lot of people it, don't like, all over yeah a lot of people don't like her but they don't fucking know her you know I, I i think the more the the only people that i've ever heard talk about about her have never met her you know and it's just like you don't fucking know the story just shut the fuck up if you don't know her then don't talk about her you know yeah no and <laughs> that's, that's uh, yeah I I, uh, unfortunately i had a couple of instances where we had stuff like that where it's just kind of like all right you're barking up the wrong tree and something's gonna get popped yeah, so, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's not fucking cool. And like I said, we were just going to mention her briefly because this is a fucking true crime show. I would yeah. love, I I might even actually ask her if she wants to be on the show in the future, and she probably won't want to be, but she may. I don't know. I mean, you know, she's yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's we wouldn't weird. talk about the. We wouldn't talk about Scott. I mean, everything yeah. that, everything that's been said has been said about Scott. But now that now that my audience is reaching you know six figures, maybe she might want to actually introduce herself to people that haven't bought the book or anything and like right. say hey you know this is this is me i'm a fucking normal woman and this shit happened you know and just yeah you know. and it's kind of funny because i never read any of that we didn't talk about much of any of that stuff I mean, to be honest i've you, never talked to her about it i mean we've yeah. mentioned we've mentioned like other people talking about it but i've this i i, I figure my god it's it's been beat to the fucking ground you know it's like yeah. there's no, there's nothing left to really talk about yeah. 
But no, getting yeah, getting to definitely. know her personally is is definitely different. Like getting to know her personally would be would, would be what I would I would say. Plus, she's a name, and it would probably help the show. I mean, I'm not gonna yeah, lie; for it, sure. it, it's always good to ha- <laughs> it's always good to have yeah. people on your show that know people. You know that, yeah, that sure. or, or other other way around, people know you or whatever. But, right. Um, moving on to the tattoo thing, like you, you know, like we were talking about Mike Connors tattoos. Like mm-hmm. you're about the only professional musician that I know that doesn't really have tattoos. Is there a reason uh, yeah. for that? Because I'm furry and have a shit ton of freckles. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I always joked about the fact that I might, yeah, one of these, I might get a fucking cheetah on my freaking arm and just leave the, you know, the, the, the fur and the freaking freckles. But I mean, also too, Tommy actually went through and, and he, yeah, did you, put, he did put a little dot on there, you know, and the thing is that my skin didn't take it. It just, it just pushed it right out. Cause yeah, I got this yeah, you are, you are white like me. You are white like me. That's for damn sure. Yeah. But I've got my, my, my dad, and my grandpa's, uh, Indian, uh, like weird it's just like this weird red skin is so thick i actually you know have messed around with it with like a sharp knife and it, it, it yeah i mean if you i'll see mosquitoes land on my arm once it fights through the fur you see it just banging its head on my skin trying to get through it it can't it just gives up and flies away <laughs> so are, are you still able to go like you like you were or are you feeling the age yet because i mean i have already disclosed my age during this episode for the first time and it's like i'm starting to feel it man it's like it's, 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 I'm, I'm 50 now yeah, oh, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right a, behind you i'm a freakishly 50 because like i fucking like this i did five shows this last week and i slept i think about five fucking hours during the whole week but i mean I could they still do it. Yeah. I, could, I could still do it, but it's it's it is. I'm starting to slow down. I'm starting to feel it. You know. Yeah, my biggest thing is like you know. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. The, for me, it's just the partying portion. That I gotta. <laughs> I need to slow down on that and quit smoking. Yeah. yeah funny thing. Stuff. Funny thing about that. I was gonna tell this story, and I'm going to tell it, but I'm I'm not gonna tell it in detail because people don't need to know details. But right. Me and Chris. For all you listeners out there, we, we were partying in my house in Clovis, California. After I moved back oh, from, shit. I had just moved back from Nashville, probably about four months later, and it's about nine thirty, ten in the morning. So you know, <laughs> use, you, use your imagination. And I'm getting ready to go into my room and go to bed. And Chris is going to sleep on the couch, but he wakes up and he's like, "Oh fuck, I got a show right now." <laughs> And, and this motherfucker, after we party for like twelve hours straight, gets in his car and drives to go do a fucking show. And it wasn't close. It was like I think you had to drive what about forty minutes or something like that. Yeah, even, even was, to get there. Well, I had to go by and stop by and get my rig, and then freaking head over and. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I was so drunk I could barely walk. I don't know how the fuck you did that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I like, I'm like, you can't cancel, and you're like, no, I'm not canceling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this, this motherfucker's for real right here. This is fucking... I remember, I, I remember hitting you up when I got back. But I think you hit... I know, actually, you hit me up. I'm like, did you make it? I'm like, yeah, it's a badass show. Yeah, I wanted they to make were, sure you're okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, that, that's uh, one of my, one of my uh, famous talents is being able to, uh, unfortunately, hold my liquor probably more than I... <laughs> but I couldn't <laughs> believe that you didn't even mention that, like, all fucking night long. It's like... 
And then, like, literally, I think it was it was about it was about nine nine thirty, if I'm correct, right? About nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, it was like a Saturday or something. Or no, I mean, no, it was it was a Sunday because I think I played up at Jackson's Roadhouse. Yeah, it had to be a weekend because I only party on the weekends. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I think, we, yeah, I think I had to be up there at two o'clock, and it was like fucking from, yeah, about an hour drive to be able to get from your house to my place to get my rig and get up there. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we might be local rock stars, and we might not be, be be selling out stadiums, but we we party like rock stars. <laughs> there, there ain't no fucking yeah. doubt about that shit. Yeah, it was a fun night. Yeah, I still got I still I still got a fucking play Di- Diary of Madman property for you. <laughs> I got that down, and I remember when we did that show at Press Box, you made sure to do that, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I did, and I nailed it. <laughs> Fuck yeah! No, that's a, that's a good little riff. I like that riff. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that freaking night. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, uh, yeah, that was a long one. Like I, I was like, dude, what the hell? What's that glow over there? <laughs> Sounds stupid. Like, oh crap! <laughs> yeah, that was a, and and for all of you that are listening, like this this wasn't a long time ago. This was literally like right before the pandemic. So this was like three four years ago. So yeah, we, we weren't summer. fucking twenty years old, you know. No, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't, the funny thing is, I think you know. I think I've had more of those nights in the last freaking five or six years than I had when I was freaking in my early twenties. Just because I I'm able to <laughs> keep from getting completely to where I'm just shut down, you know, gone, just hanging out and having a good time, talking about music, catching up with people we haven't seen in a while, you know. Yeah, it's. It's crazy to think of all the years like basically was going through and, and working nine to five and then you know dealing with the kids and and all of that. Yeah, stuff. see, I've never had a job. I've I've done music since <clears throat> fuck. I mean, we we had our first record deal with the first band I was with when I was like twenty. So I this was like nineteen ninety four, and I mean, like I've yeah. I've only done music, so I've never had to do the nine to five thing, but. It's 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 still rough, and you you get older, and things change. And I a couple of my stories that that I've had is like when I in my twenties, I remember a lot of times drinking all night. And back then we were we were doing fucking like we were snorting everything that there was that kept you up. So it's like well, I would stay up all night, and then I remember a few times right before going on stage, puking behind the bar, like literally going back there. Having my little puke session for 10, 15 minutes, going in the bathroom, cleaning my face off and getting on stage, you know, and yeah. I've, I've done that a million fucking times. And that's just like, you know, there's, there's something wrong with that. And I, I don't do that anymore. You know, I just, I can't party like that. I gotta, I gotta pick my, and choose my battles, you know? Yeah. That, that's the, that's the one thing about like the, the hard, hard, hard part about playing five or six nights in a row is going Oh yeah, yeah your everybody. voice your voice fills it too. Your voice is like fucking nope. I'm on, I'm not hitting that note. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and it's and it's so funny because people you're my my me singing and they expect me to sound a certain way and then I sound like this, you know, uh, freaking you know forty seven year old freaking smoker, <laughs> you know. Yeah. With, what's you know what's your people come up? Hey, so what's your warm up for your your your, your vocal warm up? And it's like shot of J-O, Guinness and a cigarette. Yeah. So, you know, and it, (laughs) but because I've never, I don't know why, I don't know how, knock on wood, you know, my voice has always been 
uh, able to do what I needed to do pretty much whenever. I mean, there are certain times where it's not where I go. Yeah. My falsetto is just not there today. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, and, the, that's and, the first thing to go out always is the false. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's just like tomorrow night, you know, I know that tomorrow night's going to, uh, cause me just cause in Philly by proxy, all I do is sing. So it's, that one and, and, and I'm freaking wailing because it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy stuff. It's kind of got smack disturby. Oh, totally. I mean, like on fucking low, that last scream that you're doing. I mean, fuck that. You know that that you can't do that all day long. No, no, yeah, and then that, that that's you know, and doing an hour of that is a lot different than like the big elk stuff. You know, I go I, there's a lot more of an ebb and flow. It's not just freaking rocking the entire time. You know, so I get a chance to kind of I'm not I'm not straining the entire time, and I don't really top out at the at the at, you know at the max point of my range with a lot of the big elk stuff. Like yeah, exactly. A little bit more with the, uh, and I also kind of force myself into a little more of a distorted, you know, voice with with FXP in certain spots. So, uh, but luckily, I, you know, my voice is able to keep up. My biggest thing is, is I definitely need to get back uh, to running, not just working out in the gym, but actually running and getting my cardio up because some of these shows, man, I'm and it's it's hard. <laughs> I'm at the end of it. It's so hard because when you have a show that you're going to like not be home till five or six in the morning, and then you got one the next night. It's really hard to get up and go to the fucking gym because I'm a gym yeah. addict too. Like I, I love to work out, and it's like yeah. I can't do that when I'm working all the fucking time. As far as voices go, that uh, we were talking about it that night that that I was mentioning, you know, you jumping up and doing the show at nine thirty in the morning. We we're talking about how. I was telling you how my voice was going out, and I didn't well, you know, had a you had a I stretch, but your yours was actually fucked for a bit. That's exactly that's what I was going to bring yeah. up. That, but the reason why it got there, that fucking big old for, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, which is pretty much ninety nine percent of the people listening, I had a, uh, a a polyp thing on my vocal cords, and I didn't know it. I thought my voice was just going out because I was overusing it and getting old. But that's what that came from was fucking literally overusing it. And yeah, you have to you have to watch it because once it's fucking gone, it's 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 gone. So you just have to take care of it, you know. Do you do you like practice like rehearse songs? I try to make sure that at least four to five days a week, even if I'm playing or not, that I I at least sing for about two hours a day. And then when it starts to hurt or it starts to feel like it's inflamed, I I will I will stop at that point. But I will do exercises. I will do scales. I will do a certain amount of falsetto during that. But I try not to overdo any of it. But yeah, I definitely do practice. See, I don't at all. Like, like it's kind of funny, you know. Like, there's there'll be times where if I have say like a take a weekend off to go do something with the the kids, um, you know, and I don't have shows for like 10 days i and unless i pick up a, a guitar to go try and write stuff i don't play at all uh and it, i think that's actually probably what's because I yeah mean, see me, what you're doing is it, you're, go ahead sorry i didn't mean yeah no i mean I, I i play enough to where you know there's times where i think you you you, you, haven't, you know done a show in like you know 10 days and you're like oh it's gonna be rusty those are some of the best ones they, they usually take a minute to get going um, but I know what songs I need to play to, to start off a set to make sure that I don't blow anything out right away. But for me, that's one of the things that kind of keeps it fresh for me 
Like I, I don't practice anything unless I'm. Um, you really, you really should start though. I, I mean, because what what I was gonna say, and and I saw this vocal doctor, and literally, he at UCLA in, in Beverly Hills was where my doctor sent me, and uh, right. he he sees he he helps Rhiannon. His patient is John Mayer. I mean, the motherfucker, like he's he's up there with all the stars. In fact, I've seen him on Doctor Oz before, and uh, oh, yeah. So I'm like, wow, I'm in here with a celebrity. And he's like, you need if you're going to sing. He's like, you need to look at it as if you take too much time off and you don't exercise, it's like going to the gym and just maxing out. So say you're right. not singing yeah. for ten days, you don't go to the gym for ten days, but then you go and you expect to just max out the whole time, and you're not going to be sore. You yeah. Know? No, and that's, I mean, it's kind of like this last week, um, you know, th- there, there's been a couple of times where I've been going to eat in the truck, um, just put my earbuds in and just pull up the FXP set list. And I just kind of read through that, kind of get a couple of songs in, take a break and go. That's actually probably the, the, the most time I get where I actually get a chance to, to do some um, so get some reps uh, is in the uh, in the truck when I'm driving. When I'm coming, like I mean, I'm 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 in the truck, fuck all the time. You know, yeah, coming back and, and forth and from Fresno to to Pismo where I'm at. And another good thing too that I learned, not from this doctor, but that I learned from, uh, actually learned from uh, Jonathan Davis when I was hanging out with his brother Marky for a while when Marky was in edema. And that that's a John's a phenomenal person, and uh, him being able to scream the way that he does every fucking night at the age of almost fucking sixty is pretty crazy too. You know, I mean, yeah. but he's taking care of himself. But um, yeah, you 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 make your set list. What I was getting at is that you make your set list to where you have some lower songs to where you're hitting all all spectrums of your vocal cords. Right, you're not you're not going to max out and do two songs with crazy falsetto in a row. Cause then you're going to fucking like, you're going to push that part of your, your vocal cords too hard. And, uh, so you kind of like mix it up and you'll have a low song then you have a high song and then, you know, just sing something easy in the beginning, the warm up. I mean, there's, there's, there's a science to all this shit. Yeah, no, I'm sure there is. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, I mean, do you create a set list when you play shows? It depends the show. If I'm actually opening up for somebody like a national act or something, and I'm going to play for half an hour. Yeah. De- I definitely make a set list. If I'm just playing a fucking winery or a brewery for three hours, no, no. I, I'm usually just yeah. doing. I, I want money, so I'm usually just going to be doing fucking you know requests. Yeah, that's a lot of lot of what I do. I mean, like playing doing playing some of the shows, opening up. And uh, I don't, and I don't even call those shows. So, like, even if it's on yeah, a flyer or whatever, gigs. I don't, I, those are, those are work. Those are yeah. work. Shows yeah. are when you fucking play, you know, for at least four or 500 people and you're, you're literally, you know, you got a set list and you got a fucking, you're, you're going to play a lot of your own music and things like that. Yeah. Hey, have you heard, have you heard of Demon Jones? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that you opened up for him. I, I yeah, never did listen Sam to his Grove, music. Dude, but... Oh, man. That guy was fucking, those guys badass and, and actually that was kind of funny because i had i had i actually finally wrote out a, a set list and freaking um somebody one of one of my fans was like dude because i cover Jell- save me by jelly roll every once in a while yeah you know? yeah i like that i did i do that <laughs> I get, song too i got i got two songs into there i'll 
please save me. <laughs> and then my fucking cell was kind of went out the door at that point because then people started asking for a couple of my other original ones. And then, oh, you know, that's a pretty high song, song, Jelly Roll, for that 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 fat that fat guy could fucking sing. Yeah, he's got he's got a he's, he's got a naturally high voice. Yeah, as far it seems like for first, even though when you hear, I, I loved hearing, listening to the the Joe Rogan podcast with him on it. That was, that was pretty cool. His story uh, this, is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah, like dude, Rowe, I have a lot of respect for that guy. You know, and it's crazy. Cause I remember, um, uh, cause I had a, I have a couple of freaking crackhead buddies of mine that <laughs> not crackheads, but you know, the homies of mine that are big, big ICP fans. And I remember them dragging me out to one of them. And that was back when he was kind of like trying to do the rock thing, um, the rock rap. Yeah, stuff yeah. back in the day, back, um, in, back in the Limp Biscuit day. I still get, I still get that I look like Fred Durst. I even got that the other night when I was fucking playing somewhere. Dude, you look like Fred Durst. I'm like, well, if Britney wants to suck my dick, then you know that's cool. But other than that, I really don't like looking like Fred Durst. No, I hear you on that one. That's kind of funny because uh, you, you do have. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I do see where people could. could Oh yeah, I, 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 I wear the hat. I fucking have a, a, a goatee, but I had all that shit yeah. since way before Limp Biscuit even came out. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna change the way I look just because he looks. So oh no, yeah, there's no point. He's been gone for a decade anyway. And he's a piece of shit. I mean, even even when I've talked to John Davis, I've talked to Aaron Lewis. I mean, I've I've definitely rubbed elbows with a lot of motherfucking celebrities, and I've never heard anybody have anything good to say about him. I, I, I don't have anything to say about, I don't know, any anybody of consequence, man, except for the great Michael D. Keeney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish I wish that fucking manifested, but, you know, I, at I least I got know. to do some things, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. All we get to take with us is memories, and even though I've never sold out a stadium and I've never made fucking millions, I have hit six figures over over a few years and i got yeah. some i got some shit under my belt and i like that now i got the podcast and that's it, it's yeah. more popular than my music and that's you know it, it is what it is <laughs> no it's really cool I, you know the the um uh, i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta cut you up on some of my because i was an english major man i gotta get you Stop saying literally saying <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. And some episodes, there's always an episode where I say one word like a lot. Well, and, yeah. I mean, you notice that like during this interview, I haven't said literally, but for some reason, there's there's certain episodes I'll list it. And I'm like, man, I'm saying that fucking word all the time. Yeah. No, and, and it's just, it's it's funny because I, I did, doing, um, because I was in on, in on the debate team, and I was kind of a dork in high school. Even though I played football and was in a band, I, I liked arguing with people and giving speeches and doing public speaking and stuff like that. And that was one of the big things: is watching those tag words so you're not using the same yes same thing. So I, 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 that kind of got beat into me. So when I hear that, I actually started counting <laughs> at one point because <laughs> I was like, I was, <laughs> "Hey, but but the reason okay, there is uh, in my defense on this." episode the reason why i would say literally a lot is because if i say motherfucker and he's fucking his mother i want people to know that i am like literally meaning he's a motherfucker no i got i got i i i i I saw the point of emphasis on it but but i I had to give you a little bit of shit that that word and actually and then i used to say now a lot and i got away from that so 
uh, yeah, it's it's a learning process, man. If you oh, listen yeah. to no, like, it's good, man. It's if you listen to like episode one and two compared to what I'm doing now, I mean, it's I, I've definitely started getting into becoming what I am, and you seem to have a rhythm. It, it's it's getting better with every episode in in my mind, except for the ones that are like, oh shit, I got to get this out tomorrow. And now since I'm not making any money on it, and I don't really look at this as something I'm ever going to make any like real money off of. So it's like, I just put them out when it's, when it's convenient. That way I could, I could take my time more and actually come out with a good product, you know? Yeah. I think people appreciate that. Cause I mean, I mean, it's not, I, I, I think that the days of having that, you know, that every Thursday we got the, the new uh, friends episode. We got to be, get that, that, yeah, no matter how I, you're feeling, if you're sick or whatever. Yeah, you're there's, no, there's no reason for any of that. I think mean, just putting out a... It's kind of like, even like low, it just... It, it, this was the right time to get everything done. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting that on. I'm actually looking forward to getting a couple of other ones that are completely different uh, style uh, tunes out. Um, and... Uh, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a break from the, relent, the relentless playing and traveling. Um, yeah, make it of, make it fun because you're not going to get rich. You know, right. th- those days are over. They're they're now. Well, over. that's the thing, though. Now I'm kind of switching gears, trying to focus more on not because I, obviously me just playing all the time. I'm not that I could I could just start paying for clicks on, you know, or likes on online. But now I want to try to focus more on pushing the, um, some of the new songs, doing singles and, and try and get a little bit more into the art portion of it. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's what I like to do with this podcast. I mean, it's, it's just like, as far as me taking my time with it, I do a lot of shit that other people don't do. All these other podcasts that are hitting the numbers that I'm hitting right now, they have a fucking team. And they don't right. do they don't do the things that I do like make little funny skits and little stuff like that. I mean, I I came up with that. Like I would listen to all these true crime podcasts, and I'm like, God, this is so fucking monotone. It's like literally right. listening to the same thing over and over and over again. Nothing's changing. There's no humor. It's like I want to lighten shit up. You know, I've I've had people literally message me and say, Dude, you're making fun of fucking murder. Like, you're making fun of people being killed. I'm like, the the fuck I am. And this is my motherfucking show. And if I want to make, if I want to lighten it up and change the mood a little bit and throw a song in there and throw a funny skit in there, the fuck I'm going to do it. I mean, why wouldn't I? There's no reason for me not to do it. You got all, fuck all those little trolls out there trying to freaking, you know. No, you find, always have haters. Find, the bigger you get, the more that, that you're going to yeah. get hated on. As this show grows, if I hit if I hit seven figures, I'm going to be getting fucking probably death threats. And you know what? I really don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's like... I mean, most of that's just empty shit from a bunch of little fucking bitches anyways. Yeah, and it's like I've never said anything dis- disrespectful about a victim in my fucking life. Not only not on this podcast, but I mean on fucking anything. I don't make right. fun of people being killed. I just yeah. like to lighten up my show a little bit to where it goes, you know, it goes up and down a little bit to where, like, you can get a little break from yeah. sitting there fucking yeah, the, and, and that's the thing, though. A little bit of brightness makes the dark darker, you know? Yeah, and, and these <laughs> I mean, days that's... it's so hard to get your music out there. It's like, 
you know, I, I I don't know what my numbers are at the moment, but I know that they were hitting right around 100,000. And it's like, how else are you going to get your music out there to 100,000 fucking people these days? Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, so- no, that, that's, that's one of the things where I, I've started kind of rethinking, you know, some of these podcasts that people have asked me to do. Because this is the first one I've done. And the good thing about podcasts is that they last forever. Seriously, I, I, I yeah. talk to people sometimes. My cousin was bringing up... She came to one of my shows, my cousin Didi, and she was talking about episode two that was put out two years ago. And literally all those songs that are on episode two, they get played over and over and over again by everybody that listens to them. So this show's right. not going nowhere. So when it's around 20 years from now and there's, you know, fucking two, three million people listening to the goddamn thing. Guess what? Your song has been played two, three million times. Well, it's getting me on a few more times, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because even if it's not big right now, it definitely will be. And I'll tell you what, when I first started it, like, literally, there was a lot of people that were just like, ah, I ain't got time for that shit that are now hitting me up. And it's like, guess what, motherfucker? You weren't there in the beginning for me, so why the fuck would I put you on the show now? Yeah, no, I hear you. It's like you want to fucking like think that you, you know I own magazines in Fresno. I when when I say I'm going to do something, I fucking literally do it. And like other people don't, you know, they everybody's got big dreams and they don't get the fucking money or they don't get the funding or they don't have the drive to do it. And it, <clears throat> this takes a lot of fucking time. There's only yeah. There's only so many reasons you do something and usually it's going to be money and you're not going to get rich doing a podcast. I have an old lady, so I'm not doing it to get pussy. It's like you, yeah. you you do it because I well I do it because I'm just passionate about doing this type of stuff. Well, I mean, and, it's therapeutic. And, for I, me. I, and, I, and I think that the the, the one, one key point uh, too is uh, for both of us is um, <laughs> we're we're not really good at people telling us how to do or what to do. No, you have to it, fucking do what you want to do. That's you know, what and it's like. About. Yeah, and that's one of the things I I really like about what I'm doing now is, I mean, if I if I I wouldn't be doing this if it was for the money. That's not it. Um, and you know, uh, the I'm in the same boat. You know, I've got I got Michelle, and I'm not worried about any of that other that other flack, which actually makes the the shows so much easier to manage. You know, because I see some of these other bands out there, and they're freaking. You know, juggling a couple of different different gals and just making a mess of things. So I, I'm able to focus on just what, and I, what I'm trying to do. Fuck conforming. Uh, conforming. This like, yeah. I go do a show and unless it's a wedding and I'm, and I'm going to be making fucking three grand or something like that, I'm going to wear camel shorts. And yeah, I'm still a motherfucking country singer. Bet your fucking ass. And yeah. I, there ain't no country singers that are out there looking like me, except for maybe Aaron Lewis. And even he wears pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to dress the way I want to fucking dress, because guess what? I'm not going to get no Elvis shit. I'm not going to be fucking uh, a fucking multimillionaire from it. So I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. Yeah, that's, I'm the same here. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm about as simple as it gets. I got my cowboy boots, my jeans, and a black T-shirt, pretty much that. And that's the it. way you would dress even if you weren't doing music. That's what I look like when I'm out, <laughs> you know, because I'm, 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 one, I hate thinking about, like, the, the whole clothed, clothing thing is not me, you know. I mean, I have a certain look that I figured out, just like my haircut. You know, I'm sticking to that, you know, that I, that's my comfort zone. I don't want to have to think about 
dressing up or any of that crap. And for you me, know, it's setting is, up. I don't have no motherfucking roadies, so it's like I set up all my shit, and I need to be comfortable for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I can't and, come and, out of boot barn wearing fucking $500 worth of fucking clothes and set up all my shit and get everything all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I've had my own Justin for like five years, and they're about broke in. Actually, I feel weird, but I don't have much. You know, I, I I I've never really been a big. That, that's one of the things that like playing with like Gregor and stuff like that. Trying to remember him getting me some Tony Lama boots. Yeah, you, got, you, gotta you gotta look like this. You gotta look the part. I'm like, Dude. Here, change your name, change your clothing, <laughs> and change everything about you, and get plastic surgery and do all this shit, and then yeah. become famous. And guess what? It ain't you that got famous, motherfucker. It's this, yeah. it's this persona that you've created to become somebody that you fucking are not, playing songs that you are not about. Most, I mean, when I was living in Nashville, you, and even over here, I mean, in Cali, you, you, you see it too. It's people trying to be something that they're not to become something that they shouldn't be. And it's like, you don't deserve to be fucking famous because you're not doing anything original, first of all. Second of all, you're not even being yourself. You know? Well, that's where, where I think that, that, like, the bigger artists, like the Joe, Jelly Roll blowing up, he, he had somebody in his ear for the longest time. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. Once he fired a step back, went, you know, fuck all that. I'm going to get back to just what I do, you know. That that I think is what really helps people latch on to his lyrics and latch on to him as a, as a personality. Is you know there, there's so many people out there that are like oh yeah let's do this record uh, but we're, you know they did it this way and they did it that way so let's do it you know kind of yeah let's copy kind them of a thing let's copy them let's put our face actually, on the cover and actually putting something out there that's unique and different or even if it's not even if it's the you, if your style is very similar to somebody else but you do it your way of it at least i mean if you're gonna copy somebody but that's the what that's the the because i see i've seen guys that, that they write write music and like you do realize that's like <laughs> another song there's a slightly different lyrics yeah but you know i've even done that but i mean it's just like at least i've been it myself and i didn't really realize i was right. fucking copying yeah. it. there's only so many chords right and you're gonna have that happen um you, but as long as you're honest and it comes across that way eh, you know you might, that, that, that that doesn't bother me but when you have people that are actually changing things and not being true to what, what they would do. They're just doing it so they can get it. That's why I haven't probably gotten as far as I'd like to, because everybody, I everybody, somebody's like, oh, we should do this, we do that. Like, but that's not what I do. Oh, yeah, but that's what's popular. And like, well, but you, but you ah, know what? Now. <laughs> but you, you know what, though? I mean, the fans that come like that whenever you are something that you're not, like we both know people that are like that that had jumped into the music business and literally made a record or two dressed the way that they don't normally dress became something that they're fucking not and then as soon as times get tough or anything like that 
All their fucking fans are gone. They're gone. They quit fucking playing. And it's like, I mean, I built up my name brick by motherfucking brick for the last 30 fucking years and have never, yeah. ever been over for, for anybody for that type of shit. You know, it's like, I'm going to, I at least will keep the fans that I have. And I'd rather have 10, 20,000 fans that actually know me and like me and will always be there than some fly by night motherfucker that says, oh, you have a song on the radio. I'm going to like you for a minute. You know? Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Um, that that that's what that's what's kind of cool when you start playing for a while. You start seeing people that have been out for you know a bunch of different shows over a span of ten years. And, you know, it's kind of cool being even if it's not a whole lot of people seeing people that are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always been out. about a cult following. Cult followings are way fucking better than motherfuckers that if if you have everybody that likes you, then you have a product that fucking literally is worthless. That it's so boring because if everybody agrees that you're good, then obviously you're doing something wrong because literally people don't agree on fucking anything unless it's boring. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's where I'm not trying to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like the cult following thing. All right. Well tell, yeah, we, we've been on here for about an hour now. So oh, shit, yeah. I know you got to get up and, and do shit tomorrow. What, uh, how, how do people find you? Uh, go ahead and like plug anything that you want to plug. Yeah, you can show. find me on um, all the all of the uh, streaming websites, Spotify, iTunes. Big tell them how to spell your name. B i g e l k, like a big horny elk. Okay, so uh, I said Chris yeah. Elkins when I played the song. I didn't. I did not know. I didn't read like everything, so I don't. I didn't know what you were going. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, so no, it, it's 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 actually under Big Elk. Okay. Uh, okay. And then you can find me on um, social media. I'm, I'm really only on Instagram and Facebook. You can find Big Elk. And then I, you can also go to um, YouTube. Uh, make sure you type in Big Elk Band because if you just type in Big Elk, I'm not popular enough to be ahead of all the dead animals yet. <laughs> so um, you, you can find – I've got stuff on there. I've actually got a really cool – cover of uh danzig's mother i actually turned it into a country song yeah i actually I, i've heard all your stuff and i actually really like that and i love pot the piss in too i haven't got to yeah, listen to, to walking papers on the recording but i've heard you do it live a lot of times so i'm looking forward yeah. to hearing that i'm actually going to play that right now after we after we get off of here and, yeah uh, oh and, and don't forget to go to big elk so that's your uh, that's, that's your that, com. That, yeah big, big elk band.com you'll be able to uh, find um, most of the shows are going to be on there um, and then all of the links to the socials and YouTube and the videos and things like that. Yeah, I recently, uh, since the pandemic, I had MichaelDKeeney.com and then some fucking a Japanese company bought it up and it's like it's all it's all Japanese now. I don't even know what the site's about, but I had to pick up MichaelDKeeney.net. So for any of you out there that want to actually listen to or see my website, my my girlfriend is working on it right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I had to get the .dot net. It's so fucking weird, but it's good. To yeah, have I like web- that they. Yeah, like the, 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 that is kind of nice to have everybody, everything go to that because it's kind of like having your own little link tree. Because exactly. Yeah, and it's got you know uh, some the pictures and and little 
and you can also buy uh, buy merch online too. I've got shirts, hats, and Chris does have some cool shirts. Me and my old lady both fucking rock your shirts a lot. Uh, she she actually loves hers. She wears hers all the fucking time. Mine mine's a little big. I need to get a smaller one for you. I think I might have lost some weight or something. But yeah, man. No, she's up. got one of your tank tops that she wears a lot, and it's really yeah. cool the way the horns go through the top of it and everything. So <laughs> merch is yeah. very important to have. Yeah, we're actually working on the new line uh, that's going to be coming out in August. Uh, August. Uh, I've got a, uh, we're changing up the logo slightly, and then we're also going to do a shirt for low. Uh, just, just kind of a, a one-off thing uh, for that, and then uh, probably, uh, hopefully, have a new record out by Christmas. Well, if you find somebody local, because uh, this for everybody to know, I I live on the Central Coast. Chris lives on the Central Coast, where we're both over here by like four people that don't know Pismo Beach. I guess you would yeah. kind of say a lot of people know where that's at, but that's yeah. where we're San at in Luis California. Obispo, yeah. yeah, San Luis Obispo <clears throat> County. And you find somebody around here that actually makes good fucking videos that will actually do like a good music video that's worth a fuck for a decent price. Oh, let, let us me, know. Let me know. Yeah. yeah. Let, let Yeah, let us both fucking know because I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to find somebody that's going to do it for under $5,000 because I'm not paying somebody more than that to do my videos. You know? Yeah, let's talk about that. I got, I, 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 we, we might actually be able to do it. Uh, I, 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 I'll send you some of the stuff I've been messing with. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about fed up with that shit. I'm going to start doing it myself. Yeah, because basically what I, when I make, I've only, ha- I've only made two professional videos, and I just basically tell them everything to do. And I'm paying them fucking, you know, good, yeah, well, good money. Exactly. And it's like, all I need somebody to do is hold the fucking camera. Yeah. I and mean, if you've seen the, 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 the mother video, I mean, that cost me fucking three grand. Yeah. And we so, don't need to be paying that shit. We get yeah. cameras it, it for fucking out, a thousand dollars. It's not looking pretty good, but yeah, that, it, it doesn't need to be that much. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. If I had a YouTube, I would actually put a, put a link to that, but I will put a link on this, on, on this one for your, for your .com. And it's this, the big elk.com. Yeah, it's BigElkBand.com. Okay, Big Elk. There's no the. No, it's just BigElkBand.com. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right, man. Well, hey, you get some sleep. It's been yeah, a fucking pleasure talking to you. I will definitely have you on here in another seven, eight episodes. And, cool. Uh, Sounds we'll, good, man. We will talk again, brother, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. You have a beautiful night. Thank you. Thank you, son. Yeah.